With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good night. Uh, good evening, everybody. Tonight we discuss dreams, everything in the dream world, uh, masonry, and we have a special guest tonight, Michael Bell. This is the natural order of everything. Michael, how are we doing tonight? Fantastic. Alive and well, all praises due to the God in me. We're glad to have you here. Uh, well, this is the natural order of everything. Um, this is a occult metaphysical left-hand path show. On this show, we discuss things that may rub some people the wrong way, unfortunately. <laughs> If that happens to be the case and uh, you stumbled across us on mistakes, just do us a favor and just, you know, take a hike. We don't need any of the banter, but if you're here and uh, you want to learn something, feel free to stick around and ask questions. I feel like tonight's guest, we're going to lay it down for you guys to stick tonight. Um, Brother Shannon can't make it tonight. He's got some things going on. He may join the call a little bit later. But dreams, it's something we do every night, whether you realize it or not. It can be a positive experience for some, it can be a negative experience for others. A lot of people may or may not recall dreams. Either rate, it's something that a lot of people have come to want to know a lot about, and unfortunately, the information on dreams just isn't readily available. So tonight, we're going to do everything we can to try to explain that to anyone who's, who's interested in anything metaphysics call and where dreams come in and how much dreams can tell you about yourself. So tonight's guest, Michael, uh, specializes in dream and dream work and has uh, been kind enough to come join us today and give us a real good understanding on the world of dreams. So Michael, what do you got for us this evening? Uh, Mother Jean, first I want to say thank you for the invite. Truly honored. Um, I find myself, I, I've said it before, and I always want to say it again, I find myself being a student that helps other students with their homework. I, I can remember uh, when I first stumbled down this rabbit hole that a lot of the questions I had, either they didn't get answered or people didn't have answers for them. So what got me so deep into the dream is that I had questions, and it was hard to get answers to these questions. And like a lot of us, we started off with Bobby or Brother Steele or Panic, and some of these brothers were actually inaccessible. You know, you act Panic about a dream, he'll have to go off on you. So I decided to do the work for myself. And at this point, I'm at over three years of intense dream study. So everything I do is from the standpoint of a student who has mastered a few techniques, more than a few, and I'm willing to help other students because I've learned a few points I noticed a lot of people that say, oh, I rarely dream, or I never dream, LOL. And those kind of bother me because everybody dreams. Everybody dreams. 
The only thing is whether you recall it or whether you understand it. But every night when we go to sleep, we all dream. So that's what got me on it. Because to be honest, when I first stumbled down this path, I was one of those brothers who would say, oh, I remember a dream or two every year, you know, and it would always be something wild. And uh, as I began my dream study, I realized a few things. Number one, uh, whenever we do recall a dream, how, if it's very odd, if it's, something stands out, if there's a lot of symbolism we don't understand, especially if it's a nightmare, we have to tell somebody about it before we can move on. So one of the first things I did for myself and to begin my dream studies, I would ask people in conversations. You know, you go to social functions. It doesn't matter if it's Christmas or birthday. I would always ask people about their dreams. When the last dream time you dreamed? What's the earliest dream you remember? Little things like that. And you start to piece together the world of dreams for yourself. Because the bottom line is everybody is connected through the dream, but the dream is personal just for you. And so we find ourselves in a very peculiar position to be in. You know, you can share this, this universal consciousness, but the message is tailored specifically just to you. So for me, uh, one of my first steps, and I would recommend it to anybody, is start you a dream journal. Because even if you start it and the first 30 days, the first 60 days, the first 90 days, you remember nothing, you start you a dream journal. And I did a few posts on Facebook, and the best thing that I found out, because my first year of dream studies, I was real sporadic. Consistency and patience is what counts in this game. So you want to be consistent and patient. But what I found was I wasn't having anything to write in my dream journal. So I would look, and every day I was writing, last night I chose not to remember anything. Tonight I'm going to choose to remember, you know. So what I started doing was I, I, I do actively meditate. So what I would do is whatever I saw in my meditation, I wrote into my dream journal. Another thing I did was you have to give yourself these reality checks. So as a reality check, you've got to constantly ask yourself, am I in the dream? Because we've all had that one dream that when we woke up, we weren't sure if we were woke or not. So for me, my dream check was actually the opposite. You're supposed to ask yourself, am I dreaming? But what I did was, I just treated my everyday life like the dream. So if I saw a bum pushing a cart with a robe on, I would tell myself he was a Jedi Knight. I would, imagine, I would basically use my imagination. And in this realm that we're in, we know the imagination is that the eye, which is your third eye, magi nation. You got a whole nation in your head. So, so for me, what I did was I found something to write in my journal because you need success. Success is what makes you push on. So, so that was my first start was, was actually starting a dream journal. And then from that, I started to see certain consistencies, whether it was certain colors, certain people. And I can honestly say in terms of people, I have somebody that pops up in my dreams, a good friend of mine. Whenever I see him in a dream, I instantly say, I'm dreaming. And then I go from the world of dreams to the lucid, oh, and dreams. Before we get off the topic of dreams, I do want to discuss the different levels of the dream in terms of the dream, which is the mundane, emotional dreams from my daily life, to lucid dreaming, the astral. But uh, before I do forget, one topic I want to bring up is when I said that everybody dreams, I think that what most of us don't realize is the dreams never 
stops. We're dreaming right now. I don't mean that in terms of this is an illusion, this is Maya. No. My personal theory is from the moment we're born and develop an ego, our dreams begin and they evolve along with it. So when you wake up from a dream, I think it was Brother Panic who said it. Have you ever wondered why dreams never start at the beginning? You always pop into a dream and you're in the middle of a conversation. You're, you're walking down the street. So I realized just from being intensely on my dream studies, sometimes I would fall asleep, take a nap for five minutes, and have a full dream. But I realized something. Dreams never stop. And that's why you never experience a beginning or an end. And so uh, once you grasp that concept, it's not like you're going into a dream. You're just picking up where you last left off. And the dream continues whether you're in it or not. The only thing that affects your dream is your day-to-day activities because whatever you're stressing about or worried about or focused on, it's going to pop up in your dream. But I consider those mundane dreams. Uh, any bills I'm worried about, if that pop up in the dream, I'm really unconcerned about it. But if I see some numbers in that dream, I always record numbers because, like everybody else, I'm looking for my winning lottery numbers. <laughs> I'm going to keep it real. I'm a working day cat, and uh, – I would love to hit the lottery and be able to focus strictly on my on my spiritual. Um, another point I would oh, bring up. Definitely. Now you feel me, Gene? Yeah, a, a definitely. Of, a lot of us don't realize it, but in our dreams, we see three black cats. So we see you, you get somebody hands you a paper and has the numbers five eighty nine written on it. Man, remember those numbers. That's why you want to get in the habit of writing it down. And what I do. I haven't hit yet, I'll be honest. But whenever I see numbers, if somebody repeats numbers to me in a dream, I write it down and I play it the next day. Because if it's three numbers, you play you a, you play you a, a daily three, you play a straight box, so if it come in any combination, you'll hit. If you're real confident about it, you run that number five, 10, 15 times, at the very least, you get 500 for each hit. So, yeah, you see these numbers, you know, and... Eventually, I want to get to it, but you can set your intentions for that, too. Now, I need my winning lottery numbers. My, my personal thing is I, I tell myself most nights before I go to bed, where's my bag? And, I, and as I say, where's my bag, I visualize a bag full of money. Where's my bag? You know, and, and I literally drive down the street looking for it because that's the way it works. You know? But um, another topic I want to bring up is a lot of people in these metaphysical communities and the occult communities, they hot on, not they, we, were hot on decoding movies. Uh, uh, Bobby turned his own to it. Panic gave everybody the formula. So everybody's decoding movies. But something I realized is this, Gene, uh, Hollywood doesn't put these movies out for our benefit. These movies are actually the fake dream. When we first started talking, I had mentioned how we share a universal dream, a universal consciousness, but each dream that we have is tailored just for us. So if you're watching a movie that Hollywood made by their agenda, you know damn well it's not for you, it's for them. So I realized, and I'll tell you how I realized it. I'm in a lot of these groups, and it's brothers that can decode movies uh, better than anybody I know of, but they say I don't dream or they can't decode their own dreams. So that tells me right there, something ain't right. You're getting messages from your own personal deity because that's what your subconscious is. 
God is, or we all have our own personal deity, and that's within us. That's our subconscious. Only thing is, once we got past the age of like 9, 10, maybe 12, we got out of, we got out of touch of communicating with that deity. So now we get these communications from the deity within us, but we can't even decode it. That might be our winning lottery numbers. That might be that soulmate you're looking for. It might be the job you're looking for. It might be whether to marry this woman or shake that woman. But everybody's so keyed into Hollywood, people don't dream. And if they, they, if they do, let me take that back, people don't even remember their dreams. They can tell you about a movie they saw 10 years ago. What does that say, Gene? Well, you know, I find it that a lot of times people will blow things off, you know. Um, a lot of times, like deja vu. As a kid, I would experience it often and would just blow it off. But instead of trying to concentrate, meditate on the moment, look at everything that is in that situation, try to find the symbolism and what where the connection is there, um, we're told to blow things off as children. You know, hey, mom, I had a dream. Oh, that was just a dream. You know, people don't see these symbols where these things are coming at you, these, these, these visions, these numbers, these, these arrangements, you know. Like you said, anytime you're in a dream state and you see something that's awkward, you see something, that's what you remember. That's what you're actually remembering. You know, you, like yesterday, I can't remember what I did yesterday. But I can remember all the highlights of yesterday, just like in a dream. Um, I would never remember that, you know, Prince was riding a purple unicorn for whatever reason, but it was normal to me. No, that was dreaming. Now, what was the symbolism? And uh, why was Prince on a pink horse? So now I need to figure out what was this trying to tell me, because that's what I remember. Anything that you recall from the dream, from the dream journal, is what you should focus on. Tell the subconscious, well, this is my practice. I tell the subconscious, I need to know what this means. And throughout mm -hmm. the day, this feeling of kephara, this, this uh, the feeling I like to call mental, uh, well, not mental, I say self-enlightenment. Throughout the day, I'll get these little drops. I'll be like, oh, okay, the pink unicorn could correlate with the fact that I'm needing to get a vehicle. And I keep pushing and pushing and pushing. You know, there. Whatever it means to me, but the fact that you're going to go into the dream and look for research and look for the answers, man, it is breathtaking, the things I've got from dreams. And every time I have asked a question, I have gotten the answer, and the answer has been so real, it's let me know who I was as, as an individual to say, can you go through with this? You know, if I say something like, what do I do to change my finances? My dream's going to tell me in such a strong way. But a lot of times, people will have these messages and will just ignore them, just blow them, like I say, just blow them out. Won't even understand. They're seeing something so odd. But the subconscious, the spirit, you know, the other side is telling you exactly what you need to do. But, you know, it's the disconnect with the self that I think a lot of people have the biggest problem with. I agree with everything you said, man. It's, it's, really, it's really awesome. <laughs> To be able to talk dreams with somebody, really, because it's so taboo for a lot of people. A lot of people just feel as if, yeah, I dreamt. Yeah, and I sleep, and I pay taxes. No, it's it's a very important part of who you are. If you, you know, everybody has that curious question of what's on the other side, and your connection is, you know, your dreaming. And the better practices that you have in dream recall, I feel like 
it's the better connection that you gain with the subconscious mind in that, you know, in an overall way. But I couldn't agree with you said more. That was, that was amazing. Um, well, let me ask you this, Michael. When doing dream research, how was it that you were able to take images from your dreams and decipher the symbolisms? Uh, how were you able to make them out? I mean, did you have any techniques? Did you uh, purchase any dream dictionaries or dream interpretation books? Um, what helped, I guess the question would be, what helps you with dream re recollection? Because you said in the beginning you would uh, dream sporadically. What helped you recall your dreams to the point where you could really recall them and start writing them out? Okay, I'm glad you asked me that. I'm glad you asked me that. One of the first things I did, aside from starting that dream journal, because like you said, most of us blow dreams off. We've been dreaming all our life. It's just something that we do. don't mean anything. So recording my dreams, sort of noticing colors. I've been heavy on my chakra since I got into it, so I'm noticing these colors. But the thing with me is the weirdness within myself is, and weird, I say this too, books. Everybody's got a scholar. I can dig it, but books. I started getting etymology books. I had lots of chakra books, uh, psychology of color. But what I realized is, man, my dream, I would have colors of uh, peach, salmon, magenta. It was never like a solid blue or a solid green. So that's what threw me off in the beginning because I was heavy on my chakras, so I know red, I want yellow, blue, green, purple. But what the hell does salmon mean? But what I did, what I noticed was, Okay, first, let me bag it up. I want to name some books. I've got a few books here next to me. And these are not books that most people have them. They've been recommended before. But I want to tell you the techniques I use. Uh, meditation helped me a lot because most don't remember their dreams, but anybody can drop into meditation and experience something. What I, what I had was uh, my, David Michael Cunningham's book, Creating Magical Entities. Now, you might think that has no relation to the dream, but it does. In it, he has a real simple meditation. You envision a five-petal flower, and you, you, with your eyes closed or open in a dark room, I know you told me you do the dark room meditation, you envision a blaze. Your finger is blazing. Whatever color you want to make that blaze, but you make a five-petal star, and you start that star to rotate clockwise. And then while that blazing five, it's not a star, it's a five-petal flower. The ends are rounded. You round it, and then you start it spinning clockwise, and you make another five-petal flower, and you spin that one counterclockwise. The first time I did that, it was amazing. Now, I told you, I had mentioned earlier that I recorded my dreams. Well, after doing that meditation a few times, I did something for myself that was unexpected. I stepped into the center of the blazing petals, and I went somewhere. But what I started to notice was in the dream, you're going to find yourself, I'm going to that back, in meditation, you're going to find yourself doing things and going places that you'd never imagined. But we know from the Kabbalion, which is another awesome book that everybody should read and reread and reread and reread, the all is mine and the universe is mental. That's our, that's our one connection with, with God is our imagination and our mind. So my first step was from reading books, uh, another book, let me see. Let me back it up. I want to finish that thought first. 
But from that, that David Michael Cunningham book, Create Magical Entities, he suggests that very simple meditation. I realized from that that it was a direct tie-in to the dream. So what I did was as I went to sleep, I would set that five-petal star, that five-petal flower, I would blaze it up, spin it, and I would go in. So what I found was initially I would do a lot more astral traveling than dreams. And I want to tie this into something. When you dream, lucid dreaming, astral travel, it's all in the same realm. That's essentially heaven. Most people don't realize it, but the dream where people go after they die, it's all the same. We all know it from the movie Ghost. When Patrick Swayze got knocked down so fast, he thought he was still alive. And, and I've talked to so many people that have spoke to people that have died, like violent, quick death. And when they saw them in the dream, they thought they were still alive. Well, the astral realm is the dream. Now, Gene, I don't know if you're heavy on Kabbalah. That's why my name is the Kabbalah. And I want to get back to that, too. The reason why I'm so heavy in the Kabbalah is because uh, I had downloads on Kabbalah before I knew anything about it. I would go into meditation and I would see these spheres and colors and lights and planets. Eventually, I realized it was Kabbalah. It was the tree of life. But when you go into the dream, oh, I wish I had a, a visual I could show. But, Gene, do you remember, uh, I'm getting off topic, but it's on topic. You remember Back to the Future, the flux capacitor? Yeah. That flux capacitor, you see the shape of a downward triangle? Mm-hmm. That flux capacitor is the astral triangle. If you look on the Tree of Life Kabbalah, that's going to be Nitzak, Hold, and Yisad. That's where your dreams happen. So you can tie it into that movie. When they, were, when they were traveling through time, they were actually going through the astral. They were in the realm of dreams. That downward triangle in Kabbalah, the, the three sephirah before, before Malkut, and I'm, I'm speaking on it like that because I, want, I hope somebody researches it if they don't know. But on the Tree of Life, the bottom three spheres before Malkut, which is Earth, is Mitzak, Hold, and Yasal. Those three planets represent, the, it's called literally the astral triangle. So I'm going to tie it in and bring it back. Uh, Brother Panic was the first person I heard speak on it. Talk about mental, tra- mental time travel. Well, time travel, dreams, lucid dreams, astral projections, it, it all happens within that triangle. And that's why I'm so heavy on Kabbalah. That's why my call in, my, call, my name on this call is the Kabbalist, because once I figured that out, it helped me out a lot. So a lot of people think when they die, they go to heaven. Uh, uh, who was it? John Henry Clark, I think it was, that said heaven is between the legs of a black woman. Well, yeah. to, correct, to correct that statement, paradise is in between the legs of a black woman. Because in the Bible, Adam and Eve was in paradise. They weren't in heaven. Heaven is the astral triangle. And to be honest, it's very low on the sphere. It's right above earth. So your consciousness, I'm going to tie it into Kabbalah. Your consciousness is tied into those spheres on the tree of life. Now, saw, which is the moon, and that's cancer, directly related to the female. The moon is a feminine sign. 
It's directly related to the female. That's why I say that paradise, not heaven, is in between the legs of a woman. But in that immediate sphere, which is Yassad, which is uh, the moon, Hold, which is Mercury, and Nisak, which is Venus, those are the three planets closest to the sun, and that's Earth included, right? Yeah. The moon, the moon, Mercury, and Venus. So those, that's our immediate realm. So a lot of people think heaven is the upper room, but to be honest, heaven is all in your mind. That's why you should practice on your dreams, practice on your lucid dreams, practice on acid travel, and practice in your meditations. Because to be honest, heaven ain't that far from earth. Uh, speaking Kabbalistically in terms of the tree of life, all those spheres on the tree of life, you see how it's spread out? They're actually only separated by the distance of a thought. So the, the astral triangle is directly related to us, the physical earth, Malkut. That's the bottom sphere. So for me, once I realized that the astral triangle, because I'm heavy on movies. I love watching movies. I love decoding movies. But what I started doing was once I realized that the dream is actually fake, I mean, not the dream, once I realized that movies are actually the fake imitation dream were being given, I actually told myself to stop uh, stop decoding dreams, stop decoding movies, because you get in the habit of decoding something that's not for you. Because movies is good practice, but it has nothing on your dream because the dream is your personal message. But to get back on track with Kabbalah, I, got, I want to tie this in. Kabbalah just represents different spheres of thought. Now, when you're in a dream, you're trapped in that astral triangle, which is the flux capacitor from back to the future. And you're seeing how Martin McFly did everything he did within that astral triangle. So the same thing applies to the dream. Now, before I get too far, and I don't want to jump around too much, Gene. Am I jumping around too much? Oh, brother, you're doing just fine, just fine. Okay, okay. Um, I want to share something real quick. Um, I grew up with Jehovah's Witness. My, uh, I do a lot of meditation and past life uh, regression. I actually remember uh, my, I, I, can, I, I went back as far as, in terms of this life, I went back as far as months, months old. Uh, my mother was, she was heavy on it. I was indoctrinated. And one of the things she did was she, we, uh, we read the Bible every night for an hour. And my mother's reasoning was if you read the Bible 15 minutes a, a night in the course of the year, you'll read it from cover to cover. Needless to say, by the time I was two years old, I was reading and participating every night on my own. I've been reading since the age two. But what I want to point out from this is around the age of three, uh, we were reading the Bible. And I had to tell my mom, I had a dream, Mom. I had a dream. So my mom, she stopped the Bible study, and she said, tell your dream, Michael. And I said, I know what God looked like, Mom. And my mom looked at me like I was crazy. What's what? So I told her, God is a capital letter A. She instantly dismissed me. Boy, dreams ain't nothing. I, I remember that dream. Because for one of the reasons I ask other people, do you remember your earliest dream? Most of it, people always say they remember dreams when they were real young. But for me, that dream always stuck with me because I could still see that, that dream. Lo and behold, 
decades later, in my 30s, um, it's called The Vision of Hermes. The Hermetica is a book. But when I read The Hermetica, The Vision of Hermes, it said that uh, in Hermes' vision, when he met the deity, that God was a capital letter A. Now, that blew me away because for years, my mom's dismissal of my dreams, that set the pace for my dreams. Uh, boy, what you talking about? Get up out of here. So for years, for decades, I figured my dreams weren't nothing. I told my mom this awesome revelation, and she told me, get up out of here. Man, get back to reading the Bible. The point I want to make is I have a book here. <clears throat> I'm going to share the title with you. It's by uh, J.F. Bearline, B-I-E-R-L-E-I-N, and the name of the book is Parallel Myth. And this book helped me to understand that dream from three years old. I'm 45 right now, so it took me 42 years to understand that dream. Our dreams are directly connected to mythology. Mythology is directly connected to God. So every time you go in a dream, you might think it's a stranger, like the old Bible tale. You know, be kind to strangers because it could be an angel. There's truth in that because our dreams are directly connected to mythology not just Christian mythology, Jewish, Slavic, because it's all ours. We talked about it earlier. There's a universal consciousness, but the dream is specifically tethered to the individual. So what I re- when I realized that, that dreams are connected to mythology, I started to view my dreams differently. So when you see a female in the dream and she, she's going to give you some, I look at her different when I wake up, you know? So... So for me, getting to the point of remembering my dreams and acquiring it, I'll be honest, lots of work for me. There's other people, they probably dream mages or, or, or dream witches, whatever you want to call it. They probably do it naturally. For me, I have to work. I do a lot of, I've been like studying. I dream interpretation books. I lots of books on symbols. I, I, I poured over all of that. And even though you got to get all these books and still not find the answer. But the thing is, your subconscious knows. So while you're searching and searching and searching, that's what I did. I spent my days, I either read dream interpretation books, and to be honest, we're in the age of Aquarius. So having said that, everything is on the Internet. If you don't have these books, I suggest you get them because books are power. Somebody correlated this, this information, books are power. However, if you don't got the book, you can Google it. What does snow mean in a dream? What does a tree mean in a dream? And you'll get your answer. And once you get your answer, you immediately turn around and ask yourself, well, what does snow mean to me? What does a tree mean to me? You get the general information and you apply it to self. So for me, it was a, it was a mixture. I love reading. Like I said just a minute ago, I started reading at the age of two. So I'm a reader. So... I read, I make it a point to set my intention throughout the day. Like you said, too, you have the dream, you, and you might, you might play it over, over your head. It might take a few days or even a week, but eventually you'll say, oh, that pink unicorn is. So what I got in the habit of doing is any dream I have, I try to decode it at least three different ways. That way you get a broader perspective on your dream. Sometimes you have a dream, okay, I got it. I'm going to be a billionaire. Okay, that's one. What's the next? 
because everything has a minimum of three layers. And we're going to get to that later. I know we're going to talk about masonry, And when I say three layers, I always think of three degrees. But everything has a minimum of three interpretations. We all know that a picture is worth a thousand words. So every dream is worth a minimum of three different interpretations. So that's what I try to do. I try to do it. And once I realized about, I said it before, once I realized that Hollywood was giving us the fake dream, I actually backed up on the cold movie. I, I can't stop because I love movies. So every now and then I see a movie, I got to break out my books and give it some thought and even set my attention before I go to sleep to understand a movie. But for the most part, I, I, what I did was I switched over from decoding movies to decoding mythology. Now, see, Gene, that's something that gets people. Now, it might be easy to decode a movie, but can you decode mythology? Because we just touched on it. If your dreams are directly connected to mythology, then if you can't decode your dream, start decoding mythology. And mythology, you know, what comes to mind immediately, King Minos, right? King Minos, mm-hmm. he got at Poseidon. He told Poseidon, man, make me powerful, make me smart, make me wise, you know, give me all the goods for this earthly realm. Poseidon said, I got you. I'm going to give you this white bull. This, once I give you this white bull, you're going to be successful. And he said, the only thing you got to do is sacrifice that white bull to me once you get it. King Minos got that white bull, and he said, fuck that. This white bull is dope. I'm keeping this white bull. So Minos, he got another, because he figured Poseidon ain't going to know, so he got another white bull, sacrificed that white bull instead. While he was out being a wise and wealthy ruler, his wife fell in love with the bull, had sex with the bull. That's how the Minotaur came about. Now, I'm sharing this story because I'm saying, you hear this, it don't sound like no movie we ever saw, right? Right. So that's how your dreams are. Your dreams don't follow the same uh, 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 patterns and connections like Inception or The Matrix. Your dreams are sporadic. Now, you, 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 if you can start decoding mythology, you get better at just decoding your dreams. So I have a lot of books on mythology, Greek mythology, wow. Af- African okay. mythology. Um, it doesn't matter. I'll be honest with you. My favorite mythology is Nordic. I say it's my favorite because as a youngster growing up, I had more access to that. But I, I, I refer to it a lot because um, the mythologies tell us all the truth. Because we call them mythology, but at some time, that was somebody's religion. And just like today, if you ain't with my religion, you with the bullshit. It was real to somebody long ago. And all religions, right. hold, all religions hold a key piece of truth. Now, in Nordic mythology, oh, let me say this, too. I'm a, I'm a flat earther. I don't want no titles, but I'm a flat earther, not because I don't think the earth is round or because I think it's flat. I like it because it challenges my preconceived notions. I was raised to believe that the earth is round, blah, 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 blah. What I did was I took flat earth and said, Okay, I'm gonna back it up a little bit. I let flat Earth be. I let flat Earth be my way to challenge everything I know. I call it counter perspective. So what I do is 
everything you do, like my job, I do a lot of repetitive work. So instead of counting left to right, I count right to left just to give myself a different perspective and to change my thought because we fall into these reps. I don't dream, LOL. We do dream. Everybody dreams. So for me, in Nordic mythology, if you listen to it, if you if you read it and decode it, and it's right there in your face, uh, it says that the, the earth, it says that our universe was created from the body of a frost giant. Frost giant is blue, blue black. And it says that the heavens and the sky was created from the dome of the skull. You know, for me, that's all the proof I needed. But in little stuff like that, once you get into the mythologies and you get in the habit of decoding mythologies, uh, in my opinion, that's what leads directly to decoding the dream. So what I tried to do for myself was I tried to focus more on mythology than on movies because a lot of movies are, are to be honest, a lot of movies, easy to decode. It's out there for anybody. But we know Hollywood isn't putting on no movies for our benefit. So I yeah, most myself, movies are chakra stories. Chakra stories. And you notice how in the end, they shut your chakras down? In every movie, they find a way to shut you down. And, and I'll, right. be honest, I'll be honest. Uh, Panic was one of the first ones that I knew of that pointed it out. They all, they all stopped at the heart chakra. They never quite make it. The only movie I saw in recent memory that dwelled in the heart chakra, worked on it, and went above, uh, you ever see, Gene, you seen the movie The Shack? The Shack? I uh, don't recall. Okay, it's a good movie. It's a heart chakra movie. I'm not going to say it's a chakra story, but it is. But I'm going to say it's a heart chakra movie. Man, so much green in that movie. And what I loved about it, God was a woman in that movie. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's funny. You said what I loved about it, and green is the chart chakra color. That that was that. <laughs> that was dope. <laughs> but you dig what I'm saying? Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. You know, uh, it's for me with dream recollection and pulling symbolisms. I think books is what really gave me my uh, my leap. I had gotten into a lecture one time. And it was about dreams. I'd always been fascinated by dreams, always. And I, I've always been like a vivid dreamer. My earliest dream, I can remember, there's two. And one dream was where I was with all the kids in the neighborhood, and we were all being bad as hell going through people shit in the neighborhood. You know, and I remember this dream so vividly. And remember like details of other people's houses and stuff. It was just, as a kid, I just, you know, thought of it as oh man what a cool dream yeah, I really never focused on it but as an adult after doing so much dream research I mean that was just a real huge experience then I had another type dream where I was flying but I fell off the Ambassador Bridge the Ambassador Bridge is the one that connects Detroit to uh, Can uh, Ontario Canada and for whatever reason, I was flying above it and lost flight and can remember the feeling of free fall. Mm -hmm. And it was such a, uh, I remember being startled waking up. I was it was I guess you could call it a nightmare, but it wasn't something coming at me as if like a monster that scared me. It was the, the, the suspense. And, you know, those are the earliest dreams that I have had. But 
man, have I had some very vivid dreams. And I feel like uh, something, the spirit, you know, uh, my subconscious, something was connecting, trying to tell me things for years. And now that I actually, now that I uh, have a grasp on it, it, it makes a lot more sense. Like uh, when I was a kid, often I would have a feeling where I would wake up and I couldn't move my body at all. Uh, it was a hazy feeling. But, you know, it, it would be terrifying. I felt more vulnerable than I'd ever felt in my entire life, you know. Uh, I guess they would call it the devil's riding your back or something like that. And that even made me more scared of it. <laughs> you know, like, what are you talking about the devil's riding my back? I was raised Christian, full Christian. You know, like, my parents had me in church on the Sunday, on the Monday, on the Wednesday program, like, for years, you know, Uh so anytime I had a, any kind of question about anything, they, uh, you know, the deepest I'd ever gotten with anybody was that was my Holy Spirit connecting with me. And I was like, well, that, you know, it sure is a real, real terrifying experience. Um, doing research, you know, diving in, finding, figuring different things out, finding out that, you know, that feeling was a positive feeling. I was just scared. It reflected on things that I needed to work on myself as a kid or, you know, even through adolescence. Um, I've really found it now that, you know, like a story, like you said, it's it's almost like when you decode movies, when you decode dreams, decoding anything. The more clear, the more intention, like, if you don't have intentions to remember your dreams, usually you won't remember them. I know that for a long time, I go through ruts. For instance, I'll go through a period of time, like right now, I'm having very vivid dreams. And I'll do a lot of my dream journals. I'll do, uh, if I want to recall dreams, I do a lot of tasking. Uh, I've had talked to a lot of people who deal with dreams and been a part of a lot of groups where they say the more bananas you can eat, the better it off will be a dream, you know, recollection. Like you said, the better, the more you can meditate, any kind of meditation, really. Uh, most mornings, what I like to do is I wake up really early for, uh, you know, I wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning, my time, and my alarm will go off at 3.55 or 4 o'clock, somewhere in there, and I'll lay there in bed, and I'll try to remember every detail of my dream as much as I can, or try to at least stay into that hazy feeling where you're tired, but you're awake. Mm -hmm. That is an amazing time right there to try to get any kind of real dream work in, any kind of real dream recollection, or, or anything that I could remember during that time at all. Like the first thing I thought about in the morning, if I don't dream, I'll write down the first thing I thought about, whether it be bills, whether it be, um, you know, work whether it would be uh, doing something with the family. And then I would focus on that throughout the day. And I'll go back and look and say, oh, okay, the first thing I thought about this morning was bills. All right, I need to not be worrying about, you know, that's that's nothing to worry about. You know, or the first thing I thought about this morning was hanging out with my stepson. We're going to go do something this weekend. We're going to go camp out. You know, it'll let me know. Well, then I'm in more of a humbling, happy place. If, if I'm waking up and the first thing I'm thinking about is bill money, if I'm thinking about, you know, negativity, if I'm thinking about, Jump right on my cell phone. Let me know where I am in a space. 
you know, and my mood and how I handle things throughout the day will reflect a lot of times. So dreaming will let you know a lot of stuff. It, it'll really open you up. It was the biggest connection that I had with the self, and it's what helps me along my journey to know that I'm on the right path. Because everyone dreams no matter what. Uh, if you, if I've ever had a question about anything religious, I never had an answer. But no matter what, everyone dreams, no matter what. And that's the biggest proof of anything, because uh, most scientists can't even tell you about dreams. They have an idea. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to find out anything about dreams. It's all about the self. The more you find out about the self, the more you can the dreams. It was really interesting that you said, uh, you mentioned something about it's always continuing. A shared experience I had with mushrooms here a while ago. <laughs> uh, it was a real psychedelic experience. And something that I had stumbled across was a documentary on psilocybin and how it works with the hippocampus in the brain. And the guy said, you should wake up in the morning on an empty stomach and you should try mushrooms. And you should sit in a room with your eyes open, dark room with nothing in there, and understand the visions and see the visions. And I can tell you from personal experience, that's some of the most profound things I've ever gone through ever. I've connected with more ancestors that way. I've connected with all sorts of uh, entities. I've gone and I've been able to understand all kinds of things. And walked with experience just feeling an overwhelming satisfaction. You know, like, man, I really connected with some stuff. Rather than, you know, doing them, drinking, and partying. I mean, if that's your thing, by all means. But if you utilize the, these things and, you know, you go at it with uh, – go at it with the intentions of into discovery more into yourself, I think you're really going to find out that the illusion of death, uh, the the fear of a lot of this stuff that people stress about a lot of times is just not worth it. You know, it's just, you don't have to stress about a lot of stuff. And it's easier said than a lot of times. It's, uh, you know, something that can be practiced, but I don't want to ramble up, but, you know, I want to say something, Gene, because you touched on something I want to speak on. When you spoke about uh, the illusion of death, uh, one, of, one of the few things that we got to realize is we're living this life just to die. We came back to do work. That's why everybody dies. And if you realize it, uh, everybody, when we lose somebody personal, you know, we can see. Triple X extension just died. Everybody had opinion on it, but uh, it really didn't touch us personally if he wasn't like somebody you knew or felt a connection to. Right. And um, what I want to say is the fear of death stops us from working. So a lot of times what I do is um, I got in the habit. I want to say it was... uh, I want to say that it was Samuel uh, Ayoweor. He, uh, he, he uh, that's one of the authors I read a lot. Samuel Ayoweor. I read a lot of his books. He has one Dream Yoga, uh, Kundalini Yoga, uh, 
Kundalini Power. I forget the name. I got the book in here. I'll, I'll go find it and I'll we have the title. But his name is Samael Ayunwayor. And what I got in the habit of doing was, and it helped me in terms of dealing with death in this life. When I go to sleep at night, I got into what's known as the corpse pose. You know, you place your hands over your heart chakra, you know, your hands crossed on your chest, like you laid in the coffin. And a lot of the times what stops us from remembering dreams, we, we spoke on it earlier. The dream world is directly connected to what most people call heaven. When you die, if you're not doing the work, you go to the dream. So if you want to go to that next level, you got to master that. You have to. And, and, and getting over that fear of death is one. So what I got in the habit of doing, and I tell anybody that asks me, uh, every night I practice down here. Every night I go to sleep because imagine. I'll tell you something real quick. I have a close family member. She was recently diagnosed with cancer, stage four. I'm sorry to hear that, brother. You know what? Uh, I'm going to be honest. Like I just said, unless it touches you personally, it doesn't bother you. I cried real tears just last night. However, I was talking to her. You know, she's not only a cold and metaphysical. I suggested she research doctors to be. But either way, I just did the best. I couldn't tell her. Your spirit is going to turn in when you leave here because we come here with work to do. Whether you die at, at three months old or you die at 100 years old, you came here with work to do, and you're not going to leave until your work is done. I'm starting to believe, though, that if you're not doing your work, then you leave sooner. But the point I want to make is we got to get in the habit of either going in meditation or before you go to sleep, you you focus on what you're afraid of. You run towards what you're afraid of. It, and death is the main thing everybody's scared of. You know, everybody want to go to heaven, but nobody want to die. Every night you practice dying. Now, in the comedic scriptures, in the comedic text, on the walls in the pyramids of Egypt, you notice all they talk about is dying. Every night you go to sleep, it's a little death because you're in the realm of the dead. Everybody has had a dream where they said, I saw my grandpa, I saw my mama, I saw my auntie. It's the realm of the dead. And if you can't navigate that, you're going to come back. That's another thing. I grew up a Jehovah's Witness, but I'm a firm believer in reincarnation. So I take, I take my meditation and my dreams serious. Because if you're not focusing on that, you're going to come back. You've got more work to do. So when we go into these dreams, when we go into meditation, because meditation is just a shortcut to the dream, and I want to talk about that too. I want to go into meditation. I know that at some point we're going to dip on another topic, but I also want to say uh, don't discount your imagination. The better you can imagine, the better you can utilize that, the easier it is to overcome these fears because in every religious text, if you read the Bhagavad Gita, the Quran, the Bible, it doesn't matter what you read. God is a man or a woman, depending on what you read. But God, we, we cannot conceptualize the Almighty, the true all. We can't. All we can conceptualize is that, is that perfect human. So the closer we get 
to using our imagination, that's the closer we get to God. So you got to use your imagination. A lot of people say, I don't dream. It's hard for me to meditate. You use your imagination as a shortcut. And that's how, as you go into sleep, you set your mental stage. Uh, one of my favorite meditations as I go to sleep, because I'm, I'm concerned about finances like everybody else here. Uh, uh, I don't want to be a poor, righteous teacher. So what I do is I'm going to sleep most nights. I set the stage. It's usually C. Freeman L., Harriet Tubman, uh, Madam C.J. Madam C.J. Uh, uh, Madam C.J. Walker, and I forget who the fourth is. But I have two male, two females, and I always envision them on the stage, and they get ready to do a lecture. I walk up front, I sit down in the very front row, I break out my paper to take notes, and as I'm sitting there getting ready, one of them usually asks me a question, or I ask one of them a question, and that's how I set my intent to go to sleep. I want to talk about that too. You cannot lay down and go to sleep without asking yourself a question. If you don't ask yourself a question, then you have to at least Set the stage to get the answers you want. Now, if you don't want to ask, if you can't think of a question, like I said to you earlier, my question usually is, where's my bag? Where's my money at? Where's my winning lottery number? If, if I'm not focused on that, then I go to sleep, and I focus on sitting down talking to these masters because the astral realm is our direct link to these people who have passed away, and, they, and, and they're they're here, a piece of them is still in the astral just to give us the answers we need. Can you imagine, Gene? Can you imagine if you went to sleep and you never remember your dreams, but during your dreams, you were sitting up with Buddha talking about life, or you were sitting up with somebody, Madam C.J. Walker. You're sitting up with somebody who succeeded in the earthly realm but you don't remember nothing? Do you know how often that's probably happened to us? You don't remember nothing. It happens. You just don't remember it. So you set the stage. You set the stage, and you go in that way. So one of the things about setting your intent, even if you don't remember your dreams, you set your intentions when you go into meditation. You have to because... If you're going into meditation just to have an experience, that's not where it's at. That's not where it's at. I'm glad you touched on that because you have to be able to ask yourself a question. And if you don't ask the question, you're going to have nothing but chaos. It's just going to be random thoughts, random dreams. You're not going to understand anything or what's going on. You have to be able to ask a question and then be open-minded enough to know that you're guaranteed to get the answer. But it's about your dream recollection. If you don't have good recollection, if you can't practice and meditate and, you know, make it so that you can... Let me see here. Hold on one second. Um... Muting some people here. We got some background. Okay. Um. So you touched on something earlier that I wanted to get back to. Um. 
You said something about mental time travel. Have you done any kind of time travel uh, meditations at all? Have you touched on any of that stuff at all? Have you? Oh, have any? I'm, I'm glad you asked. Yes, I have. Now, I want to give, before I go in, yes, I have. And the thing about mental time, time travel is you can use it almost in any way you want to. You can go back to an actual memory that you have, and you can revisit that memory. Now, what I did, because I was working on the dream, I went back to a dream. My mother passed away in 99, and when she passed away, I was living in Colorado. So when she passed away, I had no contact with my siblings, none of them. And the way she passed away, she died from cancer. Uh, actually, I was mad at my siblings. I was, at, I was mad at my sister and my brother because they didn't even tell me. You didn't tell me my mom was on her deathbed. You didn't tell me. So my mother died, and I instantly told myself, fuck them. I don't fuck with them no more. I'm done with them. Right? Mm-hmm. So I found, I found myself deep in a dream of talking to my mother. And she was now, mind you, I was living in, and I'm from California. I'm from Richmond, California, the Bay Area. I was living in Colorado. So at the time when I had the dream, I knew nothing about my sister and my brother's everyday life. So at the time when my mother passed away, I had I had no contact with my brother and sister. Well, I vividly remember a dream. I was in a – it felt like I was in a, a huge auditorium, but me and my mom were sitting down. There was light just over us. The rest was darkness. I was in the chair. She was in the chair. We were separated by about maybe 12 feet. And she was just telling me, stop being hard on your sister because she's going through this, this, and that. Stop being hard on your brother. She's going through this, this, and that. Well, when I woke up from the dream, it touched me. So I called my sister. I called my brother. I never forgot that dream. Well, years later, when I learned about mental time travel, when I learned about mental time travel, because of the fact that I missed my mind so much, I said, man, I'm not going to use the time travel on the actual. I'm going to go back and talk to my mom in that dream. So before I went back to that dream, before I went back to that dream, I went back to uh, other memories and other dreams. Well, eventually I got around to going to that dream, and I had lots of success. Mitchell time travel, uh, I'm going to look it up right now when we're talking. It's uh, scientists are studying it. There's a name for it. It's real. So before I went back to that dream, I went back to uh, I went back to different memories, right? And then I went to the dream. And what happened was I saw something that shocked me that scared the shit out of me. So I just want to say that when you use the time travel in the dream or in reality, from a different memory, you need to be prepared to hear a truth that you might not be ready to hear. Now, 
what bothered me might not bother you, but it bothered me because I missed my mom. I went back to that dream because I said that dream was my mama. So I went back to that dream. And the thing about Mr. Time Travel is you can go back to a memory or a dream and you can view it from any angle. I mean, any angle. You can go back. I, 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 I actually have different angles that I view shit from. I even have cockroach angles. I'll be a cockroach in a wall watching something. Well, this dream that I'm speaking of, I went back and I was talking to my mom. And I said, I want to explore around this dream. So while I was talking to my mom, my consciousness was going around the dream. What I saw was, it was me sitting there where my mom was talking to myself. For whatever reason, that bothered me. It took me over a year to come to grips with that. Because like we spoke on earlier, the Kabbalah, the all is mine, the universe is mental. Everything going on right now is in your head. Right now, me and you share a conversation. You don't even know, Gene. This could be a dream, right? Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. I, I agree. You could wake up and uh, and understand that all of this is a dream. It's uh, so, No, no, you're right. But what bothered me was I needed that dream to be my mom. So when I was exploring that dream during mental time travel and I saw that it was myself talking to myself, but I want to get back to something. Everything my mom told me in that dream, even though I was several states away, was true. And I'm telling you that I had zero contact with my sister, zero contact with my brother. But my mom was telling me, your sister, her, her youngest son just went to jail, the oldest son going through this. I had zero contact with him. So... You know, being the cultist, the metaphysics, I took that dream as being profound beyond anything else. But to go into Mr. Time Travel and see that it was me talking to me, that fucked me up. And I had a problem with it for years. So what happened was I stopped practicing mental time travel. But I want to just get back on the topic that mental time travel does work. It's a valuable tool. I'm back on it now. And, and the thing about mental time travel is it'll give you all the answers you're looking for. You just got to be ready for the answers. You have to be you ready be, for the answers. got to be ready for the answers because you, you might see something you ain't ready for. And, again, it might not mean nothing to you, but it's going to definitely mean something. You know, somebody else might say, oh, man, why that guy I told? I got a real good friend of mine. He's in the metaphysics. One of the few people I know in real life that I talk to and we be around each other that's into this, I told him what happened, and he was like, oh, man, that ain't nothing. Man, I was still shook. I was still shook. So the thing I'm saying is middle time travel definitely does work, and it's a, it's a tool to be used. And the only thing you got to do is, like, setting your intention. I, I, did it in, I did it in meditation. I didn't do it going to sleep. I was in meditation. Okay. I focus on the dream, even if, even if you only remember a piece of the dream. You don't got to remember the whole dream, just a piece. You, you focus on that piece of the dream, and to be honest, you freestyle from that point. You can imagine what might have happened, what should have happened, what you wanted to happen, but you focus on that piece of the dream, and you go back. But the key is your imagination. A lot of times we, we go into meditation, 
and we wait for the experience to happen to us, right? Now, I'm, right. Not, suggesting, yeah. I'm not suggesting that you insert ego because ego interrupts with the dream. So you got to reach that point in your personal meditation where you put your ego to the side because your ego, you don't kill the ego. The ego just got your back and he's just doing it all wrong. So the ego ain't, ain't to be killed or destroyed. You just want the ego to get on the right track. So what you do is you go into meditation, you focus on, I used it for a dream. I have used it on memories, but it was more powerful in dreams for me. And, and, and that's, this is especially good for people who never remember dreams. You go back to a dream that you always remembered, and then once you go back to it, you focus on it. And, and the key is, i got to say this, the key to making time travel, you have to be in that state where you're sleepy and drowsy but not going to sleep. So you got to get in the habit of keeping your mind active while your body goes to sleep. That's what meditation is for most people. You get into that sleepy state, but you don't go into that dead, dreamless state. So you get, in the, you get to that point, and it takes practice. Okay, I got one more thing I want to share real quick, Gene. Uh, I don't want to no hold problem. the mic. I want to hold the mic. Oh, you're, you're good. You're good. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, when I first started getting into heavy meditation, which for me was about four or five years ago, when I got real heavy into meditation, I started off because chakras was, was my introduction point. So I would meditate. I would envision a, 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 my body. At the time, I couldn't envision my physical body, you know, my skin tone, clothes. It was always like at the time, it was. I know it now, it was my diamond body. It was a body. It looked like glass, but it wasn't. I could see the, the reflections. It was a diamond body. So I would, I would lay there like I was on the table. I was around blackness. And I would have, it was a triangle, and the triangle would scan my body. And so from my feet, it would be red, and then when it got to my genitals, it would start turning orange, and then from there it would turn to yellow, and then, you know, all the way up. While I would do this every day, well, it got to a point to where it was automatic. I would fall into that deep meditation I would scan my body. Any hurts or pains I felt, if my foot hurt, if my knee hurt it, if my hip hurt it, I would scan that part. And what I would do is I would envision if it was in the, the root chakra, it would be red, but it would have a little bit of black and maybe some other colors in it. And I would scan my body with this color. Well, one day, doing my regular, I was in the habit of this was my meditation routine. I said to myself, but what's in this blackness? What's around me? So I pulled my consciousness back from that diamond body, and, and that's what you would have to do. Because when we're in the dream and the meditation, if you realize a lot of times you can switch easily from first person to second person to third person. You can be, it can be you experiencing something. It could be you watching yourself experience something, or you could be somebody else watching yourself experience something. So what I did was I pulled back. I pulled my attention back from the diamond box. You know what I saw, Gene? What would you see? Man, I saw a fucking scorpion. The triangle that was scanning my body was the end of the scorpion's tail. So I'm going to tell you the truth. I panicked. It was a big black scorpion. I said, what the fuck? But I was so deep in my meditations, I didn't wake up. 
but I told myself I'm a sci-fi guy. I said force field. So I was in like a little tube, a glass tube, and a scorpion was crawling around the tube, and I was like, what the fuck is this? Well, fast forward. When I came to, instead of just telling myself I was in meditation, it was some weird shit, I broke out my book of deity. I have an excellent book by uh, Judith Ellis, the Encyclopedia of Spirit, the ultimate guide to magic, spirits, genies, demons, ghosts, gods, and goddesses. I broke it out and I said, scorpion. I'm so fucking scorpion. So what, what, what got me over my initial fear was, hold on. If this triangle that's been scanning my body and healing me was good, then that scorpion can't be bad. I come to find out it was Serket, the Egyptian goddess, right? So from doing my research on Serket, something hit me in meditation. Guess what? Guess what it was, Gene? What's that? Serket means circuit, like technology. Circuit, circuit, circuit. So... I started doing pouring libations with Serket and started talking to her. You know, I made her a part of my everyday. I came to the ultimate realization for myself. I realized, number one, the Internet and computers is not new. It's old. You know, everybody, not everybody, but we should be familiar with the web of vices, right? Yeah. Well, well, what is the Internet called? The worldwide what? Well, well, so I said, wait a second. If circuit means circuit, and circuits are in computers, the worldwide web, so I took it a few steps further, I added me a triple goddess. And my triple goddess is circuit. I added meat because meat is the comedic deity of spiders and web. And I added Isis because, of course, it's, I, the, the veil of Isis is the web, right? Mm-hmm. From there, from there, my mind exploded. And I, I tell it to anybody that asks, we all know the saying, there's nothing new under the sun, nothing new. So what makes you think computers and the Internet is new? Right? Maybe it was accessed in a different way, but there's nothing new about it. I even had... It's Kevin always Kennedy. been there. Always been there. We've accessed it. Uh, it's been accessed from since time immemorial. So what I started doing was, if I wanted to answer to a question, this is before I got good at asking myself this in the dream. If I wanted to answer to a question, I would get at my triple goddess, meditate, go online and find it. Right? Just that easy. So the same thing in terms of setting your intent for the dream, it applies to meditation too. The same thing. It applies. So I found myself, I started to explore more and more from that aspect. And that's where I got to the point of I do not go to sleep without asking myself a question. I don't care how privileged. Who is Godzilla? <laughs> that's something I ask a lot. Because I know that Godzilla is a representation of Kundalini energy. Right? Oh, yeah. So, so I, I like myself, that. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? So I ask myself, yeah. I ask myself any question. The only, the only thing I would say is the question has to be important to you. 
you know. So I'm focused on chakras. Man, who is God's up? And, and, and even if I forget, even if I forget the question that I ask myself, even if I forget, I find myself doing the day researching, looking up stuff, and it never fails. I say, oh, it's the answer to my question. And like I said, too, when we go into, as you go going to sleep, you got to envision the people you love, uh, teachers. I don't care if you want some Christian shit. A lot of people scared of the Bible. Fuck Jesus. No. You can talk to Jesus, uh, anybody in the Bible, anybody you want information from, from the Quran. You know, I was asking my partner, man, who told Muhammad the motherfucking 110th name of God? Huh? It was a motherfucking donkey. It was a donkey. In the Quran, it was a donkey that gave Muhammad the extra name of God. So you can channel anything. One of the few things I do, I'm glad I said channel. One of the few things I do is I don't channel the obvious shit. I don't try to talk to Prince. I don't try to talk to Michael Jackson. For me, I look at images. I might, I might see an image of a statue, and I talk to statues. Because if you think about it, Michelangelo David has been around for centuries. What you know, pimp? I'm going to talk to you. Um, I love dinosaurs as a kid. So I, I like to go in. I like to talk to I, I channel different things than everybody else because I don't want it. One of the main things I tell myself is I want information that nobody got. I want, it, I, want, I want old information, so old, so ancient, it's been forgotten. So one of the main things you want to do is we have to realize that right now the age that we're in, the age of Aquarius, we're setting the stage for future generations. You know, uh, the Bhagavad Gita is like 6,000 years old, and, and anybody can go online and you can break down any parts of the Bhagavad Gita. It's not the same with the Bible. The Bible is only 2,000 years old. So what I want is ancient information. And I'm going to tie that into something else in meditation and the dream. In meditation, I did past life progression. When I wanted to see my past life, and I saw some things that kind of disturbed me, but I had to come to grips and decode it at least three different ways because any dream you have, you should be able to code it three different ways. So for me, for me, it was something that I saw a recurring theme in all my dreams. All my past life meditations, I saw a recurring, a recurring theme, and it helped me out a lot. Because for me, uh, I feel like I'm a servant. <laughs> I do. I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean like I'm the butler. But I found that a lot of my past life, I always feel obligated to, to help and, and to do things for other people. So I, I just wow. applied that. I just applied all of that to this current incarnation because I do believe in it, reincarnation. I do. You know, and uh, we all come here with work to do. And we were talking earlier, and I was just saying to you that uh, – you could die in three months or, or you could die in 300 years. It just depends on whether you're getting your work done, you know, or whether you're working on the right path. Because if you're not working, then it's time for a, for a do-over. But uh, I don't want to hold up too much time on the dream. I know we're supposed to go on to another topic, but 
the main thing I do want to say before we get off the topic of dreams is supplements. I want to say real quick. For those who don't remember their dreams, who think they don't remember dreams, the only thing stopping you from your dreams is you're lacking these certain minerals within your body. We're all born nine months of the calendar, but we have 12 months of the calendar. So if you a chance you missed in those three months, everybody, even if you was a preemie, if you was born in seven months, then that just means that you're missing five months. Each month is, is uh, each month is dedicated to a different cell uh, salt. There's a good book by Dr. George Carey and Inez Perry, Zodiac Cell Salt, and um, you find out that there's different minerals that should be taught to us in elementary, but they don't give it to us. Uh, only thing I want to say is it's called uh, George Carey, Zodiac Cell Salt. That book will get you on the path of realizing what you got to add to your life. Because we're born, there's a symbol. It's a religious symbol. It's a wheel with nine spokes. And the nine spokes are covered in a connected, a connected circle. There are three spokes that aren't connected by the circle. So what that's saying is you're missing those three months of your gestation in your mom's womb. And for a lot of us, we're just missing those minerals. It might be body, uh, vitamin D. It might be lysine. There's something we're missing that's making us incomplete on a physical level. Now, on a spiritual level, those three missing spokes, they represent three degrees. Now, me and you know those three degrees to be something else. I want to get into that. But I want to say in terms of supplements, a lot of people are afraid of melatonin. I get it. Uh, Bobby Hennett and so many other people said don't do melatonin, but I personally have the position of anything I'm afraid of, I run towards. Uh, I take melatonin about every other night, and it helps me to get into that, that zone in the dream. Melatonin. I have uh, three, milligram, three milligram doses. Some nights I take one. Some nights I take two or three. It depends. I also take uh, Unisom sleeping pill. If, if I really want to go in, I take it. But for the most part, you don't need supplements. You don't. But if, if you don't remember dreams, then there's a good chance that these supplements are missing. Another supplement I take is 5-HTP. It's a good dream for it's a good supplement for lucid dreams. And a lot of these supplements you can find them online or at a health store and they have them combined. And it's worked wonders for me. Now for others, if it doesn't resonate with you, don't listen to what I'm saying, throw it out the window, and I don't want to argue with you. But it works for me. Another supplement I take is Yo Hembine, Yo H I M B I N E. It's another dream supplement that I take in combination with Galantamine. Galantamine is like go keep the loba. It helps you focus and recall, which is something everybody wants in a dream. Everybody had a dream where I only remember the snake, I remember the tree, I remember the purple house. Well, if you take Yo Hembine with Galantamine, it increases your lucid your your hembine increases your lucid your lucidness and galantamine gives you that recall. I recently realized that when you take these supplements it's just as important as taking the supplement. 
So what I've been doing lately over the last two to three weeks, um, and I took your advice too, Gene. I drink a bunch of water before I go to bed because from, I believe it's from 9 p.m. till 3 a.m. in the morning, Eastern time, your body's releasing melatonin. So I take my my melanin my melatonin pills before bed. I drink a bunch of water. I usually wake up about three in the morning. And when I wake up at three in the morning, I go and I uh I take my five HTP, my Yohimbine, and Balancine. I don't overdo it, I take the regular dosage. And what I also do is I space it out. I let that shit come out of my system. So I don't do every day unless I'm focused on something. I usually go every other day. But if you take that, lay back down the bed, I can guarantee you're going to have a very vivid dream. And once you get in the habit of taking those pills, when I wake up to go take my pills, I recall at least one dream that I was having before I would take the pills. And then when I wake up in the morning, I recall one or two more dreams. Whereas I'm at the point now where I record about two or three dreams a morning. So, wow. supplement. Supplement. I just want to speak on supplement. You can do your own research, go on Google, go on Amazon. I buy all my, I buy all my shit online. I go online. Uh, uh, I have a real good book. I got to pull it up when I get a chance. I have a real good book. Uh, a guy, he talks about uh, combining the supplements. I'll pull it up, and I'll, I'll give you the, uh, the title of the author before we get off. But supplements help, especially for the people who say, I never dream. Now, those who dream all the time, those minerals and those supplements obviously are present in your body. But for those who don't, it's very necessary. And it, it works for me. Again, if you don't want to use melatonin, if you don't want to do whatever, no sleeping pills, I can dig it. But for me, I've seen excellent results. So towards when I wake up and I can write down three different dreams in the morning, I won. Now, I got to say, like you said in the beginning of the show, Gene, it always comes down to patience and consistency. You got to be patient. My first year of my dream journal, it was whack. I'm going to be honest. It said nothing. I probably recorded maybe five or six dreams, and I fell off. But when I got consistent, and you also got to, I got to say this too, before we get the topic. When you wake up in the morning, you got to give yourself a chance to just lay there and recall the dream. Because usually in Western society, we're so used to just waking up and getting to our day. Let me get up, brush my teeth, go work, when it's pissed, shit. No. Give yourself, and it take, for me, it took time to where I would wake up and lay there and say, what was I dreaming about? I want to share one more thing, Gene, before we switch topics. One of my best dream recalls, I woke up. Oh, let me say this, too. One of the things I do when I wake up at 3 in the morning, if I have some alcohol, I take a shot. One shot. I ain't trying to get drunk, but you want to get that buzz to get in that zone. So I got in the habit of either brown and white or just white. For me, it's the gin. I like gin. So I usually get some gin, one shot, I lay down, and what I tell myself is, straight up, run that last dream back. But you got to say it like you mean it. Have you ever, 
have you ever, everybody has a movie they love rewatching. And you can imagine that feeling of rewatching a, a movie that you love that you can never get tired of watching. That's the feeling. You got to capture that feeling. So when I tell myself, run that dream back, I imagine that I'm watching The Matrix or some movie that I can watch a million more times. And one of the most powerful dreams I had, I told myself, run that last dream back, and I ended up raising my kundalini for the first time, consciously. And in the dream, it was all blue, and there was a like a rock structure, and I kept my mind was telling me I gotta I gotta get rid of this rock. So I was trying different shit, and my mind finally said vibrate. So I put my hand in the rock, and a long. Short story, even shorter, I vibrated on the rock. Two serpents came out of the rock and shot directly into the sky. Something in me said, grab the serpent's tail. I grabbed it. I rolled my kundalini. Uh, As I did more and more research, I found out that everything I saw has been recorded before. The serpents each had a, a clear diamond in their forehead. And I remember jumping from serpent to serpent. I was inside the diamond and this and that. But at some point, I'll be honest with you, I let, I let my ego came in. I got afraid because it was traveling so fast and I was seeing so much. But the bottom line is all this can be accomplished through dream recall. You wake up and you don't think you remember nothing, you lay right back down, get in that zone, and you tell yourself, run that dream back, even if you don't remember, because your subconscious is a silent observer. Been there from day one knows everything, and it's going to give you what you're ready to see. I know people like Alex Lindell on Facebook. To me, he's one of the naturals. We talk a lot on, on, on Facebook, and he constantly tells me about dreams, and I know he's a natural. You know, once you do the work, that's another thing. You know people who's working. You know who's not working. But the bottom line is set your intentions, and it's all about that feeling. Just like when you get that buzz, you're drinking some beer, you're drinking some alcohol, you're smoking some weed. Everybody knows that feeling. If you can recapture that feeling, dream recall gets a lot easier, a lot easier. But uh, that's basically all I want to talk about in terms of dreams. So, Gene, we can transition over at this point unless you got something else you want to talk about. Well, yeah, I was going to touch on just really quick on uh, the mental time travel one of the things that I did with mental time travel uh, works for me really well. Well, two things is music and uh, smell. Um, I have a perfume of my mother's. I've got uh, some perfume of my grandmother's. And if I spray perfume, I'm like back at Christmas, back in 1995. You know, I can... Uh, I can be there, you know, immediately. Um, there's certain songs I can hear that put me right back into that mindset of being a kid again in the 90s. Um, you know, it depends. There have been times I'll have a long drive, and I'll say, you know, I'm feeling kind of down about something. So I'll go ahead and tune in on, like, you know, the greatest hits of, like, the 90s. And, man, you know, hearing some of those old Songs, you know, some of the stuff I grew up listening to, like uh, one of my favorite songs ever, ever, California Love, Tupac and Dr. Dre. I can hear that song anytime, anywhere. It's going to put me in a good mood. It's going to let me know where I was the first time I heard that song. Um, exactly. Certain fragrances I can smell. Fragrance is really important to me, you know. I can smell uh, aftershave. I can smell uh, 
even some certain deodorants, to be honest with you, I'll catch a whiff of and be like, man, okay, that's what my grandfather used to wear. Okay, I remember when I was in the bathroom as a kid at his house, and, you know, he was shaving, and he put the aftershave on. That stuff, you know, that's one way of mental time travel that I utilize, but like you said about uh, your way of mental time travel, that was really interesting. That was uh, a practice that I'm, uh, I would like to get into. Um, about my dream journal that helped me recall dreams a lot. I know a lot of people struggle with this one. I would write down as much detail as I possibly could. I mean, as much detail as I possibly could. I would notice as I would go along the, uh, I would notice as I would go and write things down, I wouldn't have a large portion of the dream I would remember. I would remember a small, like, little chunk. So I would write down, for instance, I seen the guy on the motorcycle. It was sunny outside. The reflection from the bike was, uh, I could see that the sun was hitting it. You know, the color of the bike was black. The, the hair was this. I would write down every little detail, even if I couldn't make the symbolism out of it. And then I would notice as I'd go along, I would notice even more and more and more. And to the point where I didn't even have to keep a dream journal anymore. I could just sit back, lay down, and I could recall everything that was I mean, like as a meditation when I lay, you know, when I'm waking up in the morning. So it was, uh, I just wanted to touch on those and correlate with what you had already said, but yeah, let's, let's change the pace of topic here. Um, we both discussed earlier that, um, there's something significant about you that we found out the other day. Mike, do you have any noise in the background on your end? Yes, me. My, my nephew here, he, he slapped me. Okay, no, no problem, no problem. Um, we're both, uh, well, I'll go ahead and let you go into it because, you know, you wanted to uh, go into that topic for this evening. So go ahead and we'll, we'll switch over, to, we'll switch gears um, on the topic of Freemasonry. Okay, uh, I want to say one thing before you go to that is that recalling your dream, uh, at some point the dream, the dream journal does become pointless. Once you get once you get to that point where you know for a fact you recall your dream, even if it's portion, the, uh, the key is from dreams you want to go to lucid dreams because a lot of times in the dream you find yourself being a participant. You know you can't change nothing. You're just going along with a script that you didn't write. So once you get to the point where you you just got to tell yourself, man, I'm dreaming right now. That's why during the day you do reality checks. You know, the best thing to do is during the middle of the day, tell yourself, man, I'm dreaming, and try to jump and fly because in a dream you're kind of weightless. And even if you say, man, I'm in a dream, you do something to remind yourself you're in a dream. But the more details you remember, the better you become at lucid dreaming. And lucid dreaming is where it's at because if you're in a lucid, sometimes you'll ask somebody a question, and they'll just be an automaton. That's a mundane dream. Other times you ask somebody a question and you'll get a powerful answer. So you got to get to that point to where you're not just experiencing the dream. You don't want to take your ego. You want to put your take your ego, go to bed, lay down, go to sleep. You want to get that raw, real experience. So sometimes when you get in a dream and, and you get in the habit of telling yourself, am I dreaming? Is this a dream? 
and you start asking questions, your dream goes to the next level. Now, my personal belief is it's dreams, lucid dreams, and then astral travel. So you, you might think that you're just having a dream and you go lucid. Once you're lucid, you can say, you know what? I don't even want to talk to this motherfucker no more. I'm out. And what I found was a lot of times you got to be patient because I would, I would be lucid and I would be so excited to be lucid, I get kicked out and I wake up. You know, I'm, I'm real focused on Kabbalah, so sometimes I would, I would sit and I would see the, uh, the different planets in the Kabbalah and I would sit in front of the sun and I would say, man, fuck the sun. You know, I'm going straight to Kessa. I'm going to the top. And I would jump into that sphere, and I would get kicked out of the dream. So a lot of it is just telling yourself, realizing that you are in the astral, because the dream is the astral, realizing that you are in the astral, and then patiently you wait for that spot where you can dip out and say, I'm out. And that's where you get your real answers, because uh, I think it's in um, Joseph Campbell's book, the hero with a thousand faces. He says in that that there are no strangers in the dream. Usually somebody you see in the dream, even if it looks like a stranger, is usually somebody you saw or met before and just don't remember. But a lot yeah, of times... it's a familiar feeling. Exactly. But sometimes it might be a deity you're talking to. So that's when you wake up and say, now I was talking to a bum with two dogs. And you look in your books and say, ah, that was Papa Legba. You know what I'm saying? So once you get in the habit of identifying the mundane dream versus the lucid versus when you're in that realm, you got to do that. You got, you got to. So that's why I stress dream journal to anybody because you got to get to that point to where you can distinguish the mundane dream where you're stressing about bills and my girl tripping and I think this broad is pregnant. You gotta, you gotta progress beyond that. So I would just say that the, the the key to that is the dream journal. You get in the habit of keeping that dream journal. You go over it, and and these people, because I was obsessed with the great mother Zudakaya. Uh, I've channeled C. Fremenel too many times to count, and all he talks about is the great mother Zudakaya. So I said, I want to meet her. But I had to come to the realization that Zodiacus is just the zodiac, right? The zodiac, zodiac is a Greek word. That's why I say get a book of etymology because you got to understand the language. Zodiac is a Greek word for circle of animals. But we know that the sky is jet black. So the great mother, you know, you follow the progression, and for you, it's going to be different than it was for me. But you get in the habit of decoding your own dreams. And like you said, remembering every detail, the bike was blue, uh, the backpack was orange, the cell phone was black. You get in the habit of that, and you get better at it. I want to transition. I know we've been on these dreams for a minute, but, yes, um, I am am a master mason. And like I told you before, I'm, I'm almost hesitant to speak about masonry because it has a very negative connotation. A lot of people think of masonry as being something uh, old white men do when they're trying to rule the world. You know, they think of Montgomery Burns from The Simpsons, you know. There's something that, you know, <laughs> white men, you know I mean, I mean, keeping it real. Right, keeping right, it real. Right, no, you know, I, agree, I agree. 
So, so it has a real negative connotation. But what most people don't realize is that Freemasonry has existed at every stage of human development. And that's why Freemasonry consists of symbols. That's all it is, is symbols. And for me, prior to joining, I had no idea. I was one of those ones, too. I thought Freemasonry was an old white man's club. So I was uninterested. I met somebody that was a Mason. I started asking questions. And, but, but to be honest, I was totally unconcerned. I had no interest in joining. So when I did finally say, man, yeah, I want to see what's up with that. And I'll be honest, I'm a reader. I love reading. So in my mind, these old wicked white dudes got some library of books that I never read. That's what I thought. So I did go through. I joined. I was initiated, passed, and raised. And I'll be honest with you. Initially, I was disappointed. I was very disappointed because I met these dudes, and at the time, at the time when I joined Freemasonry, I was uh, I was heavy into comedic deity, heavy, heavy into comedic deity. So for me, going to a Masonic lodge, they talking about Jesus. I was like, get the fuck out of here, you know? Jesus is hair root. But once I got past my ego, I saw that it was some science in there. And what I want to say is prior to joining uh, Freemasonry, like I said, I dreamed maybe once or twice a year that I remember that was worthy of speaking to somebody about it. But once I started going through that, that Masonic ritual, and it's going to be different for everybody, and i got to say this too, everybody don't need it. Uh, I was saying to you earlier that the average occultist knows more than the average Freemason because it all kind of panic said it. Masons ain't nothing but Christians with hand signs. Dang, dang, Christians. A lot of them all. A lot. I'm going to say the majority. But the thing about Freemasonry, what you got to realize, and Gene, you'll feel me on this, Freemasonry refers to the beehive, right? Yeah. And the thing about the beehive, what you got to remember is every beehive has to have a certain amount of numbers of drones. A drone is a bee that don't do shit. We all know that bees are supposed to be about making that honey and all that shit, but every beehive has to have a certain number of drones. And what most people don't know is if a beehive has too many drones, they drag the motherfuckers out to die. So the thing about Freemasonry is, Yes, it's like the rest of life. There's going to be hella drones in that motherfucker. But for me, when I went through that ritual, man, wasn't no babies getting sacrificed. Uh, I'm, P, I'm, I'm, I'm a Prince Hall Mason. So for me, it was a majority black thing, right? And that surprised me in of itself. But it's something about that ritual that's going to activate your subconscious. And again, you don't got to join no lodge. If your spirit tell you, by all means, do it. But if your spirit don't tell you, you don't got to do it. All this shit is online. You can go right now and Google Freemason Ritual. It'll tell you everything to do. You can read it and perform that ritual in your mind, and you can get the same activation. For me, I joined, I went through that, and it activated something inside of me. I immediately started dreaming. But the thing was, what got me on the, on the track was my dreams were different. 
But usually I dreamed about mundane, everyday shit. I started having dreams like, I'll tell you one vivid dream I had when I was being initiated, my first step in Freemasonry. I would have a recurring dream of it was a rocky, violent ocean. The waves rocking, going high, going high, and there was a yellow banana that was undisturbed by the motherfucking waves. I'll be honest with you. I still haven't decoded that motherfucker, but it stuck with me because I said, hold up. This is a different dream. And then I started to realize, I started doing more and more research, and I said, man, I need to go deeper in meditation. So I taught myself how to uh, how to drop into a meditation trance That's what I taught myself. Now, for that, everybody has their own hat because whatever you're experiencing is unique to you. So you got to figure out what, what's unique to you. you got to hack your own brain. So for me, I found out how to get there. And my first powerful experience, I'll tell you, Gene, uh, I, was at my, I was at a Masonic meeting. I was performing the ritual. And to be honest, I was an officer of the lodge, so I had duties to perform. But I told myself, I'm going to drop it in meditation during this meeting because there's a lot of energy in those meetings. And most people, I'm going to be dead honest, most people leave those meetings, they get a kundalini rest like they're in church. They feel good, but don't know why. And I used to wonder why after those meetings, man, motherfuckers be horny. They be wanting to go fuck. Most brothers be leaving the meetings like, man, I'm going to go either fuck my wife, my girl, or I'm going to fuck my side piece. So I used to wonder about that because my wife, who was my spiritual protection, she was to be only. And she didn't know nothing about that, but she would be like, after the meetings, bring your ass home. But I liked it because I was in the meditation I would leave those meetings with that energy, go home, meditate. But what I did was I found out that uh, Baron Samedi, a lot of people familiar with Baron Samedi. Baron Samedi is actually a a Masonic deity. He is a 33rd degree Grand Master Mason, and all voodoo Masonic spirits answer to Baron Samedi. So when I found that out during a meeting, I dropped into meditation, now, everybody around me told me later, man, you fell asleep during the meeting. No, I was not asleep. I was deep in meditation. And I'm going to tell you what I saw, Gene. Everybody in that lodge was there in Semedi. Everywhere I looked around, I saw skulls with the top hat. And, uh, man, I went somewhere. I don't give a fuck what nobody tell me. Uh, Bear and Semedi showed me a lot of shit that night. And I'll be honest, he remains on my altar. I pour a libation out to him on the regular because he reached out to me that night. But I also understand that Baron Samedi is just an aspect of me. And I got to say this before we move on. Every God you know, I don't care if it's motherfucking uh, uh, the Demiurge, uh, H.P. Lovecraft, Mythos, any deity you know is just an aspect of you. You don't worship that shit. You worship your motherfucking self, and by worshiping yourself, you worship that deity. So when I access Baron Samedi, which merely means I access a part of my subconscious that resonates with Baron Samedi. So when I accessed him, man, he showed me the motherfucking universe. I was literally, at the time, I was on some Peter J. Carroll shit. And Peter J. Carroll says, the only clear, the only clear view is the top of mountain of your former selves. So at that time, whenever I had a discordant thought, whenever I had a thought that was opposite of being productive 
If I had a negative thought, I slayed that motherfucker. And I would find different ways to kill him, explode him, chop his head off. I mean, whatever, because you don't belong here. So when I met Baron Samedi during that meeting, man, I was literally in the in the ether. I saw galaxies and stars, and, and it was it was an uncountable number, uncountable number of spirits. But guess what? I was Baron Samedi. I was sitting in the east on that chair, and everybody was looking at me. So, but the point I want to make is, yes, I'm a Freemason. Do I go to meetings anymore? No, I don't. And it's by choice, not by force. Because I realized something, that Freemasonry is a birthright. It's a birthright. It's all about symbols. And guess what? The only way your subconscious mind communicates to you is through symbols. So it's just a way of reorganizing your mind and, and to me, it was like my subconscious said, oh, you're ready to work. Oh, you're ready to work. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're doing this, you're doing that. Oh, you're ready to work. So for me, something blazed online. And I mentioned it earlier about my dreams in Kabbalah. Well, once I went through my uh, Masonic uh, initiation, man, prior to that, I had no idea. I knew nothing about Kabbalah. And like I said, that's what my name on this chat is, the Kabbalists. Uh, I started having dreams about these jewels, and they were placed in really specific places. They all had different colors, and it was it was too specific for me to think that it was random. Turns out it was all Kabbalah. It was all Kabbalah. And most people don't realize it, but Freemasonry is a Kabbalic system of magic. Magic consists of the subconscious mind. That's all it is. Magic is rearranging your thought to match with your true power, which is your subconscious mind, to manifest shit in your daily life. So for me, joining Freemasonry, it was an explosion. I mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago that my wife was my spiritual protection. Well, she helped me, I know it now from looking back, from getting caught up in the mundane aspects of Freemasonry. Uh, she wasn't with none of that shit. You ain't going to sell no pancakes on Saturdays. You're not going to all these meetings. You know, and I joined every house that I possibly could, you know. So I'm just saying that to say that uh, what, I want, and what I want to say the most is uh, Freemasonry is not what you think. These, these people don't get together and plot on taking over the world. They sit down and they argue about pennies and dollars, what most people don't know. They're not focused. Man, they're not focused on nothing going on outside that lodge. They get in that lodge <laughs> and they, man, they get in that lodge. They argue about nothing but petty shit. Petty That's shit. It. Politics. Politics. Most people don't know that, but if you join with the right intentions and you say, "I'm gonna let this ritual work through me," and you do your work, you'll miss all that bullshit. For me, yeah. it was my, it was my wife because she used to be on me. I'd be in the meetings. She'd be blowing my phone up. It ain't over yet. What's going on? I would tell her, well, baby, we, we were raising somebody right now. What's that mean? Bring your ass home. And I appreciate it now. At the time, I didn't because I wanted to be a part of all that shit. It was new to me. I didn't go to, uh, I didn't, I didn't go to college and join any fraternities. Uh, I'm, well, I'm well learned, but it's all self-educated, you know. So, so for me, 
I wanted to be a part of it. It was new, it was exciting, and something in me was turned on. But my wife kept me focused, you know. So it's I would a beautiful go home. Thing. Beautiful thing. So I would go home, meditate, go to sleep, bomb dreams, just like that. And uh, actually, like I was telling you before, I'm working on a book. I got a book on Freemasonry. Um, it's a, it's a Masonic document. But I know any occultist or, or anybody that's deep in the metaphysics, you are reading it and get right to the heart to it. I say it constantly that most of the people that I, that I know of in these Facebook groups, they have more knowledge than the average Mason because the Masonic emblem is the bee and the beehive. And I just broke down the drone analogy. There's a lot of drones in there, a lot of drones, you know. And, but I will say this, Freemasonry brought me back to a better appreciation of the Bible. Now, a lot of people be like, fuck Jesus, fuck the Bible, but that's because most people don't understand that motherfucker. You know, you ask the average person that can say, fuck Jesus, man, decode that motherfucker for me. Now, you can decode the Bhagavad Gita, you can decode all these other religious texts, decode the Bible for me. Most people can't. So, once I became a Freemason, even though even though I was anti all that Christian shit, I was able to get to the heart of it. And that's when I started decoding the Bible for myself. And I had no idea that the Bible was a shocker story. I had no idea that the Bible was talking about uh, the deification of man, you know. And I'm not going to give all the credit to Freemasonry because, like I said, Freemasonry is a birthright. If you draw in breath, when you go to sleep at night and dream, then you should understand symbols. And there's people I've talked to that haven't been initiated and passed away in any Masonic lives, and they have more, a more deeper and profound understanding than people I know that be 33rd degree Masons. You know? And one of the main reasons why I don't practice Freemasonry today is when I was having these revelations and I was having dreams and meditations, them brothers and the lies want to know who was giving you this info. I tell you like this, Gene, it's something you can understand. You can appreciate. I became a Mason. I memorized that whole ritual, that whole book in 90 days. Memorized it. Wow. The first thing brothers were saying was, who helped you with this? No, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. I helped myself to it. And what I would do, and I want to say this, this ties directly into the topic of dreams. What I did was I got an Android phone. I got a Samsung phone. I got me an app. I got me one of those uh, voice recorder apps, and I would, record, I would record huge chunks, and I would listen to it. At my job, you could have a Bluetooth in your ear and listen to music. I would listen to the ritual. I would listen to Masonic information, and I would listen to it for eight to ten hours a day. Sometimes... I would put it on, and I, I could close my eyes, and I could see my astral self throwing up, like, not this shit again, but yes, this shit again. And the, uh, the sister, C. Marie Long, she just released a book. She wrote a book. It's called The Black Greeks. When I read it, the first thing I said to our inboxer, are you an Eastern Star? Eastern Star is the female branch of the Masonry. Masonry, yeah. She told she told me no. I was blown away because her book got Masonic symbolism in it. And that's why I say that we call it Masonic. I'm throwing up the quotes in the air 
We call it Masonic, but no, it's your birthright. And see, what most people don't realize about Freemasonry, especially if you're not in it, everybody's the widow's son, right? Mm-hmm. Well, who's the widow, Gene? Uh, the widow, uh, you are. Nope. No. The widow was the widow was Isis, Venus, Zodiacus, the Zodiac, the Great Mother. Oh man. That's who. It's it's the star. It's the planet Venus. Yes. See, most people look at Freemasonry and say, "Oh, that's a, a gentleman's club." Freemasonry is a celebration of the feminine. Because everybody is who? The widow's son. Everyone's widow's son. Now, we know that S-O-N is synonymous with S-U-N, right? Mm-hmm. The S-U-N is in the heavens, and the sun is a part of the zodiac. The zodiac is the great mother, you the tired. So, to be honest, for most who's on Egyptology, medic, science, that's ISIS. Now, you can go through every religion. That female is Ishtar. She's Esther. Um, uh, 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 Ishtar, uh, Isis, Esther. You can go on and on. These, these great mothers. See, when you go into the dream, you'll always meet. I, I spoke on The Shack earlier, the movie The Shack, right? Mm-hmm. I told you it was a heart chakra movie. What touched me the most was, that a woman is God, because I'll be honest, every book I've read, the farther back you go, it's going to tell you, God is a woman. And I used to always wonder why Bobby Hemmett was so tough on that. Bobby always talked about love, woman, love, woman. But yes, because everything creative comes from the feminine aspect. Everything creative comes from the woman aspect. So every each one of us has our own personal divine great mother. The first great mother to reveal herself to me was Yemaya and Serket. Now the father is always unknown in Freemasonry. Widow's son. Well, who is the father? It's unknown. That's the all. We can apply that to Kabbalah. In Kabbalah, you have the the three emanations above the tree. It's the eye. Ein Sof and Ein Sof Earth. That's all representative of the Father because the Father is unknown. I'll tell you something else that's going to trip you out when it's still on the subject of Freemasonry. Do you know, have you realized, Gene, that every superhero is a widow's son? Have you realized that, Gene? Okay, now every superhero is the widow's son. you, You tell me one superhero whose father wasn't dead. Name one. Come on, Spider-Man raised by his uncle. Captain America, he was a fucking orphan. You can go on and on and on. The father is nah. never done wrong. Come on. So yeah, you're that's right. Why, that's why I say that the widow's son applies universally. We all the widow's son. And at some point in Samuel Ayunwayor books, he, he stresses heavily connecting with your personal great mother. He stresses that. He stresses it, and you'll find <clears throat> if you pay attention to your dream, it's going to be a female that pops up on the regular. She's going to help you. I don't care if that female was a child or an old woman or a sexy woman that you want to have sex with. So the same analogy that we apply to dream, uh, to our consciousness, because 
the masculine is giving. It's going it's to penetrate, right? The phallus penetrates. The feminine receives. Do you know that your memory is feminine? Do you know why I say that? Your memory is feminine because in the comedic story of Isis, what did she have to do with Osar? She had to remember him. She had to put him back together. Your memory is feminine. So most of these things we experience are from a feminine aspect. I don't care if you're male, female, bisexual, transsexual. Uh, these things have male and female polarity. Now, they say that the feminine is negative and, and the male is positive. That doesn't mean good or bad. It means receptive versus giving. You know what I'm saying? A phallus mm -hmm. penetrates. A phallus penetrates. The vagina accepts. Your mind accepts information. When you go into meditation, when you go into the dream, you experience that. It's being given to you. You're being penetrated. You know what I'm saying? It's a trip. Yeah, definitely. Like, it is a trip. I just want to, uh, you know, but take it back to Freemasonry. You know, I I'm going to say this. It ain't for everybody. You know, to be honest, if somebody told me they wanted to be a Mason, I would say, no, you don't. You can do it on your own. But everybody's spirit saying something else. Some people need that group experience and they need that initiation because uh, I want to say Brother Panic was the one that said it that resonated the most with me. He said, who initiated the first person? He initiated himself. And, and to me, that's the essence of the Prince Hall story. Prince Hall, I don't want to get into that because I personally don't think that Prince Hall was a real person. Well, he was. It was Benjamin Banneker. But Prince Hall himself is a symbol. He was self-initiated. Yeah, supposedly he got it from some Scottish Rite uh, Europeans during the Civil War. But the basis of that tale, because mythology, directly connected to the dreams, Freemasonry, Prince Hall. Prince Hall is a myth. I don't care who you talk to, how much evidence they show you, nobody has proven that Prince Hall actually ever existed. They can't prove it. So he's a myth. Mythology directly connected to your dreams. So we got this person who self-initiated, he strived, he persevered, he did all this stuff. It's directly connected to you, the widow's son. So, so that's the basis of my book. Number one is that Freemasonry is a celebration of the feminine. It's a celebration of it. Um, uh, if you ask me some questions, I'll answer it, but it's a celebration of the feminine. And I can just say that wisdom dwells in contemplation. There we must seek her. Right? In Kabbalah, right. in Kabbalah, if Kether is knowledge, Chokmah is wisdom, but Nah is understanding. Wisdom dwells in contemplation. There we must seek it. Father, mother, son. Knowledge, wisdom, understanding. You dig what I'm saying? So a lot of this stuff has been presented to us in a negative fashion because I got to say this too. Whether you ASAM or FAM, Freemasonry, and I'm going to say this for those who don't know, ASAM, ancient, free, and accepted Mason, or FAM, free and accepted Mason, it doesn't matter. They say that Freemasonry began in 1717 in Europe. That's a lot. It stretches back to the beginning of time. The, the Mayans practiced their form of Freemasonry. In, in, in China, they practiced their own form. 
in Japan, in Africa. This, this is universal context we're dealing with. And you got to take it in context. You can't take it as this is the most European white boy shit. No, it's your birthright. It's similar. No, I have. In my it's research, uh, masonry started in Africa, actually started in Egypt. I mean, in my research, it yes, started. Yes. I mean, if, if you look at the aprons, I mean, in the hieroglyphs, the aprons were, you know, were worn. And, I mean, even further, I am a free man. I'm a master mason out of Michigan. And, yeah, I'm AMFM. I agree with a lot we were saying. I was highly, I would say highly disappointed. Um, but I was disappointed because when I became a mason, I was expecting so much more. And I became a, a mason. Uh-huh. I'm like, hey, so what's next? And they're like, oh, business meeting. And I go to the business meeting. I become an officer. I get into the uh, lodge association meetings. And I'm like, man, what are we doing? Like, nobody's discussing anything as far as knowledge. Now, you know, I've got connections. We, you know, like, you know, you get, you, you meet people and, you know, that kind of stuff works. Uh, the biggest benefit for me out of masonry is uh, speaking publicly. That was something that I struggled with a bit as a uh, you know, adolescent. And uh, growing up, you know, having to speak openly was something I really, really struggled with. So with Freemasonry, I've learned to uh, overcome that because you have to be out in lodge. You have to be able to be vocal, especially as an officer. So I get that out of Freemasonry, and I do get brotherhood out of it. You know, I enjoy it. But the myths and the misconceptions behind it are hilarious. Uh, hilarious. I'll walk, walk through, you know, uh, where I live, and I'll have, like, a Freemason ring or my Mason hat or my Masonic shirt on. And, you know, so you'll get funny looks here and there. And, you know, when I see those people that give me the funny looks or will assume that I'm some worshiper, I, I, you have to explain this to me. Okay, why on earth? What makes you see double worship it's a g and a triangular form and if i told you if and if it's a woman and if i you know this happened before if, if i was to say exactly what it was it would blow her mind she'd probably be a huge fan of masonry you know yep. <laughs> if yep. i was to say yep. what that masonic symbol actually stood for it would be kind of you know amazing if i told because some people if they knew what the g actually stood for you know instead of you know what they may think will really hit home. You know, there are, I, I did gain some things from Freemasonry, but I was really disappointed. I felt as if there needs to be so much more. There's a lot of structure there, but there was nothing for education amongst uh, the minds in my specific lodge. Now, I don't know what they're doing in bigger cities. I don't know what they're doing in other places, but, you know, it made me want to uh, pursue more information. I joined Masonry so I could get my hands on certain information. And I don't like to comment on things that I don't know 100%. I can't say anything about Masonry at all if I'm not a Mason. I can't touch the subject, of not even a little bit. Um, you hear people saying that there's a goat, you ride a goat naked, and there's all these satanic things, and you know, it's yeah, I I can't take I couldn't take anyone else's word. I had to take my word for it. And for the brotherhood and for for a few of the reasons, I do enjoy it. 
But I was disappointed. I was assuming when I joined that we would have open discussions. Uh, I was looking for more thinkers like myself. And I have found a few people along, you know, the uh, metaphysical side of masonry. But it was a little disappointing. Um, now, there are appendages of masonry. There are uh, different, you know, bodies that you can get into that may be a little bit more metaphysical. But for the introduction, I think... For the first three uh, degrees that you can receive in masonry, it's a pretty good stepping stone for someone who needs to build confidence because you have to go in on it on your own. You know, you have to go through the rituals and you have to go through each degree. You have to put the effort into the learning your parts. You have to, you know, there's a little bit of participation that you have to put into it. Um, I can tell you that I really didn't get my metaphysical journey started until I became master. Uh, I didn't get a lot changed for me after I became master mason. Uh, speaking to a lot of other master masons at Prince Hall and Amatifum, I have uh, talked to a lot of guys, and they say that, yeah, things changed for them after they were initiated as a master. So I can't discredit that there's something there that happens for the better because I don't know anyone in masonry myself personally who struggles and suffers severely. Now there could be some for sure, but I have not come across any and for the most part masons are decent people. You have your cliques, you have some of your uh, lodges that are, you know, militant you have some of your lodges that you know are maybe even prejudiced to a certain degree Excuse me, but in an overall way, I found it to be a welcoming political, uh, little bit of a disappointment. No, I'm, I'm on the same page as you. I told you that uh, when I when I joined, I thought they had a secret library. I thought that they were going to tear, open up the gates, and I was going like like in Pulp Fiction. Remember the movie Pulp Fiction when they would open up that suitcase and that bright light would come out. Oh. I had this, I had this image in my mind that they were going to give me these books. I tell you, because I resonate with your disappointment. As soon as I raised, I said, where's the library? So the brother said, come on. He took me to a closet. There was a closet that the brother had converted into an office. A closet. There was maybe six, seven books on the shelf. I was very disappointed. But I said, okay. Let me get the books. He said, oh, no, you got to read them at the lodge. I said, what? But the brother told me something profound. He said, oh, no, brother, now you got to build your own life. And that's something that in Freemasonry oh, like you that. hear it. You hear a lot in Freemasonry about light. And that brother told me you got to build your own light. So that's when I'm, I'm going to backtrack and get back on Freemasonry. Prior to Freemasonry, I had books. Uh, uh, on various subjects. I've always been a reader, always in a library. But the majority of my books were sci-fi and fantasy. I read Star Wars, uh, Mages, Wizards. At some point in my 20s, I was convinced I, I could levitate and move shit with my hands. Never happened. I was very disappointed. But when he said that to me, after a few, after a little while, I ain't going to say a few days, after a few weeks, I got over that disappointment, and I started getting a different caliber of books. 
Because I'll tell you this real quick. After I was raised as a free man, after I became a Freemason, a Master Mason, um, I started astral traveling a lot, and I had no idea at the time. And I would uh, I would be in my Masonic garb with my gloves on and my apron, and I would climb up this ladder, and I would climb up this ladder. I was basically going up a throat. I was in a statue, and I would go up to the top of the statue, and I would talk to Manly P. Hall. And he would answer all my questions. We would be talking. And at the time, I had no idea of the significance. I was astral traveling, and I was talking to basically masters of the craft, right? Mm-hmm. And at, at one point, there was a brother that I, I fucked with tough, uh, Wally Gordon. And he had told me, I was telling him, man, there's too many books to read, man. You know, I don't got no time to read all these books. He said, you got to start reading the astral, brother. So I said, oh, okay. So one night I went into the astral, climbed up the ladder. I was in the astral. And at the time I didn't realize it was Manly P. Hall because it would be in black and white. And the, the dude that I was talking to, he had a real old school look. Looked like the 50s or 60s, you know, black and white. And I, uh, that night I, I set my intention and I said, I had never read Crowley's uh, Seven, uh, Libra 777. So I said, yeah, I'm going to channel Al- Alistair Crawley, and he's going to download that fucking book into my conscience. So I went to the dream. I didn't know who this dude was. I actually thought it was uh, Aldous, uh, Aldous Huxley. I thought that's who it was. But I found out later from looking at pictures and images and reading, it was Manny P. Hall. So I saw the Libra 777, and I said, I'm speaking today's terms. I said, download this book into my mind. And he told me it don't work like that. And I'm like, what? Get the fuck out of here. Download this book into my mind. Well, he called me something that fucked me up. He called me a netter. He would constantly refer to me as netter. So if I was asking questions, he would say, well, netter, well, netter. And I thought it was another term for nigger. So I was offended by it. But as I did more and more research, I realized what he was calling me. Uh, in comedic terms, in comedic science, the language is called Merunetter. Merunetter is the word of God. He was calling me the word. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. so it took me years to realize this. But the point I'm making is once I was raised, something activated. Once I became a master mason, something activated in my mind. I'm going to constantly say it. Everybody don't need that initiation. Everybody don't got to go through that. If you can go online, read it, it's all about your visualization and your imagination. If you can go in there, read it, and you can absorb that information, you don't need it. But for whatever reason, at that time, I did need it. And uh, what happened for me was I started back going over old Bobby Hemet lectures, and I had a whole new profound understanding of it. I was very disappointed with Freemasons. And, and I said it before, and I'm going to say it now. Uh, oh, let me say this. You look at Freemasonry, and I'm speaking to those who might be Freemasons like yourself, you see it's devoid of color. Have you noticed that? There's no color in Freemasonry. When I say color, I mean chakra colors. The houses have colors. You have your blue lines, your red house, your purple house. You got your, your red house. You know what I'm saying? But other than that, in the actual ritual, color is never mentioned. 
But I start to realize that, wait a second, this is, this is a chakra story. The Blue Lodge, where you join Freemasonry, most people don't realize it, but, but you start to experience new things in your life. Uh, if you have a job, you're liable to get a raise real quick. Your people at your job start to take more notice of you. Hey, you know, they, they, something about you. The reason being is the Masonic Lodge is referred to as the Blue Lodge. Blue Lodge is your throat chakra. You're very vocal in your Blue Lodge. You know that from mm-hmm. from initial, yeah. from through all three degrees. You're very vocal, very vocal. What you do is you perfect that throat chakra because essentially those three degrees are the three top chakras, throat chakra, pineal, crown. So you access something within you that you probably wasn't accessing before. And that's why I say that everybody doesn't need it because you might already be accessing these things. So, but for me, I was a person that tried to kind of play the background more or less. I like to read my books and stay out of attention. But once I, I went to those three degrees, I became very vocal. And, and by reciting that ritual and by knowing your work, you, you, you become better at articulating your thoughts. And, and re- and, okay, I want to say this too. What people don't know is when you go through that Masonic ritual, it clears out a space for you to work in the astral. Because that, like we were talking before earlier, everything you do in that Masonic Lodge is done in the astral. It's all in your head. So when you perform that ritual, if you perform it right, I ain't talking about reading the book. You got to work your memory and put your imagination and visualization to, visualization to it. Uh, you clear a space out for yourself to work in the astral. And so that's why you're real disappointed with the mundane, very disappointed. Oh, man, I thought it was going to be something else. But that space is cleared out for you. If you tap in, tune in, you can start doing that real work. And the real work is within yourself. That's the real work. Man, it ain't about convincing nobody of nothing. It's about doing your work because the better you become, if uh, panic says, I'm going to refer to panic because I ain't going to lie, him and Bobby helped me a lot. It's the 100 monkey experiment. The the 100 monkey experiment was they had 100 monkeys. They taught them how to use a tool, a rock, to break open a, a coconut or whatever. But the, what they found out was it was on an island in Japan. You can Google this. 100 monkey experiment. These scientists took 100 monkeys, and they taught the children of the monkeys. It's always the mind of a child. Even though you're grown, you're nothing but a grown child. It took 100 monkeys, children, taught them how to use a tool and bust this coconut open. Well, they found out that the grown monkeys on that island, where they were doing the experiment, it was a closed experiment. The grown monkeys couldn't get with it. All the young monkeys got it real fast. What they found out was off that island, on the mainland of Japan, other monkeys were starting to use that too. Who taught them? The universal consciousness. We all shared a dream. Obviously, those monkeys was going to sleep and visualizing getting that rock and busting that coconut open or whatever it was. I don't want to say it's a coconut, whatever. But the point I'm making is the better you become, not as some mundane human that's worried about bills, but I'm talking about your spiritual consciousness doing the work, the better everybody else becomes, even if they don't remember their dreams. Because we've all had that moment during the day where we had a random-ass thought 
that we never thought before. Where did it come from? So the thing about for me with Freemasonry was I elevated above the mundane. My dreams were all symbols. Uh, one thing I started having at that time, I would go into the astral, and there was a baboon. It was a baboon. He had on a monk's robe, and, man, he would talk about some of the most way out shit, Gene. He would tell me how to uh, travel the universe, uh, how to bring three, how to bring 5D objects into a 3D uh, reality, and whenever I interrupted him, he would be real impatient with me. But if I just listened, he would talk forever. But what I realized was it was an aspect of myself gaming me up, gaming me up. So for those who don't think they astral travel, for those who don't think they lucid, everybody does it. What I did was I had my meditation routine where I would scan my body and I would heal myself, and I found it was a scorpion. What I found out is if you get in the habit of going to sleep, letting your body go to sleep, but your mind stay active, you're going to start traversing these realms. One of the first things I did, because Freemasonry, they say the G stands for geometry, right? So mm-hmm. what, I did, what I did was I took the platonic solids. All the platonic solids, they correspond to each of the chakras, but they're different shapes, and it's geometry, whether you're good at math or not. Because most people say, I'm not good at math. No, you're not good at arithmetic, because none of us were really taught math. Growing up, we were taught three R's, reading, writing, arithmetic. You were given the basics in math by the time you were nine. After that, they went to arithmetic. Everybody knows math. Math is geometry, and, you know, you go on and on and on, and you progress. So for me, what I started doing that helped me out profoundly in meditation and the dream, I would take the platonic solids, and I would just play with them in my mind. I will let my body go to sleep. As your body goes to sleep, believe it or not, each of your organs, each of your limbs is an individual intelligence. A lot of times when you're in a dream, you're talking to different aspects of your physical body. So what I started getting the habit of, I would play with these shapes, circle, square, triangle, dodecahedron, hedron. I would play with them. I would unfold them. I would take the cross. Like I said, at the time when I joined Freemasonry, uh, I was actually anti-Christian. I was one of them people that posted every day, fuck Jesus Christ, you know, whatever. But I would take the cross because the cross is a good emblem in terms of a 3D image. I would take it because the cross, and I'm going to tell you this, Gene, because you're a Mason. If you unfold a cross, it becomes a perfect cube. Did you know that? Yeah. It becomes a perfect square. Every Mason is standing on this square. So that actually makes uh, Christianity a little easier to digest if you're a Mason. At the time, no, I couldn't get with that. But I would get the cross. I would fold it, unfold it. I would take it and make it flap and fly like a bird. I would fold it into a cube. I would do all these different things. Well, at one point, uh, I was in the dream, and I went through an initiation. It took over. The first time it took over, I was a square. I was a cube. And I was in the dream walking, and my body started trying to pull down, and I resisted. I couldn't fight it. It pulled me down into a cube, put my body into a cube, and I panicked. Only thing was I couldn't get out of that cube. 
So once I got over the panic of being drawn into a square, I said, wait a second, I'm going to explore this square. I had 360 view. I could look from every angle when I played with it. So what I would do while I was woke, just to relive that experience, any object I saw, if I drove past a mortuary and it had the pillars, I would imagine it was a caterpillar walking. If I saw a chair, I would imagine that chair walking and flapping and flying. I went through several initiations just like that cube. I was a circle. I was the pyramid. I went through all of them. I even got to the point where a lot of this stuff is visual. So I would go online. I would get pictures, images. I would download images, and I would stare at them all day. I would stare at them all day. So, so for me, that's what worked. That's what worked for me. And um, uh, you can you can from your experiences, uh, you can verify. But like I'm saying, a lot of it is it's not explained to you. It's never explained to you. And like that brother told me, you got to search and find your own life. And that's why I say everybody don't got to be a part of that. You do your own thing and you find your own life. But, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, is there anything you want to say, Gene, in terms of what I just said? Well, yeah, you know, masonry definitely isn't for everyone. Masonry is, uh, it's almost like a calling, you know. I, uh, the symbolism with the just the Masonic symbol itself would stand out to me as a kid. I always recognized it. It was almost like as if in a past life I was a Mason. And, you know, I'm continuing the uh the work. Because it's 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 always stuck out to me. Yeah. It, masonry interests me because I'm a history buff. Now I don't know here in Michigan, we have a huge library. Uh, our our Michigan Masonic Library is probably, it may it's enormous. Uh, our director Dirk Hughes, he runs the uh he runs our uh, museum here in Michigan, and our library that's open to us is uh it's a private wing inside of our uh, it's a place called Masonic Pathways. It's a it's a retirement center. But it's a huge establishment, and uh, one of the wings is our library. Man, if you ever make it to Michigan, I'll definitely run you that way because they got some books, and you can't take any books out of there. But it's um, masonry is an acquired taste. Uh, the rituals, I have been a mason for years now, and I've seen people go through their first degree. And never come back again. Um, mm-hmm. I understand where ma- they tell you in masonry you have to come free willing on your own accord, because there was a kid. Uh, this was probably about a year ago by now, and he come in there, and his uncle was a mason. His the kid's dad was a mason, and the dad had passed away. And he says, "Well, your grandfather's a mason. I'm a mason. We're all masons. You're doing this to your dad." And the guy, the kid's like, you know, whatever, whatever. They're like, hey, are you gonna, are you okay with this? You can see in his face, he's just kind of thrown off. And you know, when you walk in and, uh, and do the first, uh, you're in an apprentice. He was freaked out. He didn't understand it. He didn't come in his own accord. And uh, he got his in an apprentice, but we never seen him again. You know, I don't think we ever will see him again. You know, it, it has to be for you. This information. That is itself is that it isn't for everyone. 
I'm not for everyone. You know, I'm a unique individual. Uh, sometimes, you know, I resonate with uh, certain people, but man, people I grew up with, people that I've known from a long time, and we just, we're not on the same path anymore. Um, I will say after my Master Mason ritual, a lot changed for me. A lot changed for me. So, and I agree with everything you said, uh, Mike. I it, It's really refreshing to hear from another Mason because a lot of people are afraid to talk about Masonry. And YouTube is uh, an open canvas of nonsense and ignorance. A lot of people would much rather hear a video of somebody talking about Masonry that has no idea the concept and then, you know, we'll, be, we'll base everything off of it instead of actually talking to a Mason, you know, thinking that we're all going in there being gay with each other. And I heard some of the most ridiculous, I mean, some of the most obnoxious uh, rumors around masonry. Um, let's get to the phones and answer some questions. we got a few callers in here, and uh, we've got a lot of response on the uh, chat room here. Uh, you down for answering some questions, Mike? Uh, yeah, I'm down. I'm down. All right. Um, if any of our callers, unmute your phone. Um, it's going to just go in the order. I'm going to unmute your phone. You can ask Michael or myself anything you guys want or just comment. Um, we're going to start with, looks like Alex W. I'm going to unmute you. You're on the call. Uh, Alex, you there? Hey, what's going on, brother? How are you? I'm doing good. What up, Michael? You hear me? Uh, I can hear you. Uh, let's see. Oh, Mike, can you hear Mike? Yeah, I sure can. Okay. Uh, got a question for us, brother? A comment? Yeah, I was talking to Michael the other day about a couple questions I asked him, but I just have one because I've had a couple of dreams now I think about it. And uh, I just wanted you to touch on my dreams that you have where it's like, you're seeing it from outside yourself. Like I have, I've had dreams where it's like I'm a movie character or something, watching a movie. Like this other night, I had a dream that I felt, you know, the dreams you just feel like something, even though you don't really remember it. You know what I'm saying? I felt yeah. like I was Tom. I felt like I was Tom Hanks in this movie, like Forrest Gump type of thing. But it wasn't Forrest Gump. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It could just be random, but I just wanted to see if you had any thoughts on that. Well, for myself, uh, when it comes to dreaming, I know that uh, I can have a dream and I don't know who the person is no matter what. For instance, uh, I had a dream the other night with my brother. We were out doing something. I don't recall exactly what it was, but I was with him. And in the dream, his appearance changed. But his energy, it was the same person. I knew it was the same person, even though he had changed completely. You know, uh, and I can just, you know, I, that happens to me often where I would be, say, talking to someone like my mother, and the woman looks like my mother, and then can change completely, and then I'll still think that's my mother, and the, the conversation will be the same. So maybe that can uh, help you out. Maybe, you know, a lot of times it's just a reflection of yourself. Uh, Mike, do you have anything that maybe you can add to that? Help oh, without a, without a doubt. Uh, what's up, Alex? Oh, man, it's all good. I want to say this, man. Um, I have a lot of those dreams myself. 
uh, the only thing that helps me out is uh, the only thing that separates those dreams is being lucid. It's being lucid. You go through a lot of different phases and changes. Uh, personally, I don't like being a participant in a dream. I don't like dreaming and I'm like following a script and I'm afraid when I'm supposed to be afraid and I'm happy when I'm supposed to. I like to follow my own script, but you can't be too excited. You can't rush it. I want to I want to share this real quick. Um, <clears throat> my wife, she tolerates what I do, but every every step along the way, she really wasn't feeling it. She really wasn't. When I when I started meditating real tough, she wasn't with it. But it came to a point to where I ain't gonna lie. I started asking myself every night, why am I with this woman? Should I leave this woman? I had questions like that. Well, I had one dream. <clears throat> I'm a Star Wars nut. I had a dream to where I was a female. The female looked like, uh, what's her name? She played Padme in um, in the Star Wars movies. Uh, I forget her name. Oh, she's, yeah, she's in the Thor movie too, isn't she? Yeah, she's in the Thor movies. So I had a dream that oh, I was man. her. I had a dream I was her, but she was more Latino than Natalie Portman. I had a dream I was Natalie her. Portman. I had a dream I was her. And she was, like, in Spain, and it was, like, some medieval motherfuckers, like the Catholic Church, and it was trying to find her father. Her father was Darth Vader. And, uh, man, she did everything in her power to, to keep the motherfuckers from Darth Vader. And Darth Vader was calm and cool the whole dream. He never said a word. And in the end, I'm going to paraphrase the dream, Alex. In the dream... Uh, by the end of the dream, they figured out that she was helping to hide Darth Vader, and they got on her game. She had to go in hiding with her father, and she found a way to escape, and everybody got away. That was the end. So when I woke up, I was like, what the fuck was that? I wasn't loose. I wasn't lucid. I wasn't in control. I was a participant. I told you I don't like it, but I set my intentions to ask the question. So at some point during the day, it hit me. I said, oh. I was seeing that shit from my wife's perspective. I'm fucking Darth oh. Vader. I'm Darth Vader. You know what I'm saying? And like I said earlier, we was talking about the Masonic shit. Man, them motherfuckers tried everything in their power to get me to fall in line, to, you know, be with their version of this shit. But my wife was always on me. Bring your ass home. And I used to be pissed. Man, I wanted to fellowship. I wanted to be a part of that shit. But she used to be on me. I used to be pissed. But I took my ass home. But the point I want to make is when you find yourself in these dreams, whether you lucid or not, the key is to set your intentions before you go to sleep. So at the very least, if it's not that day, the next day, a few days later, you'll have a better understanding of it. But the best thing I can say is uh, is to find yourself a key to to activate in the middle of that dream. For me, I got a, I got a partner. He's from uh, he's from Richmond, lives in Stockton. He's on the shit that we're talking about. Me and him talk almost daily. If I ever see him in a dream, I instantly say, oh, I'm dreaming, and my dreams always change. I'll share another one real quick. <clears throat> I had a dream where I was in the back of a, a backseat of a car, and the passenger seat in front of me was uh, panicked, and the driver's seat was Dane Brown, right? And panic like, oh, you think you with it, huh? You know, he was grilling. Well, the car yeah. pulled over. We got out, and we was in front of, like, a 7-Eleven. 
and I saw some little kids were panicking. They ain't dipped to the right. I, I, I was focused on those kids. I wanted to make sure they was okay. I gave them a few dollars. I was making sure you go in that store, make sure you ask for what you want and get your money back, blah, blah, blah. But then I saw my boy walking down the street, and I said, oh, shit, I'm dreaming. And I remembered, man, where the fuck they ain't in panic go? I dipped off from those kids, made sure they were straight. Dan in panic and went to this, uh, a, it was a door on the side of 7-Eleven. It was a brother there. He had on all brown. He had hella gold teeth, gold glasses, gold chains. And uh, in your dreams, you're going to always experience gateways and challenges. And that's just to get you deeper into the dream as you're lucid. So you get to a gateway and a challenge. It's going to be basically mythology. It's going to be a guardian of the gate. Remember in the mythology of the speech? Speaks had a question. Don't answer it, you yeah. die. Well, in the dream, yeah. you're going to have these challenges and gateways. Challenges, gateways. Well, I went to the door, and dude was like, nah, bro. He was like a country cat, like a down south dude. He was smiling, hella gold teeth. He said, close that door on me. I said, man, I'm with Larry. I didn't say panic. I said, man, I'm with Larry. And he started smiling, and he nodded his head, yeah. Well, when I went to the door, I went down some stairs. Okay, we're going to decode that part. I was going deeper into the subconscious. I was descending. I went down. I looked. Man, that motherfucker was about two football fields away. And I seen some other cat running to catch up. Man, I ran to catch up, too. I'm going to the party like everybody else. But the only thing that separated that dream from a regular dream was being lucid. Because had I not been lucid, I would have still been there talking to them kids. So the only thing that's going to change your dreams up is setting your intent and finding a way to remind yourself in the dream, man, I'm dreaming. So sometimes it, it might be seeing something you know, seeing it. That's why you get, keep a dream journal because you, you might realize in your dream, man, I always see the color blue. So you might be dreaming and see blue and say, oh, shit, I'm dreaming. And from there, your dream is going to change. I don't care if you decide to start flying and go to the moon or if you say, I'm going to follow this out, but with different dialogue. So I, I would just say to, to Alex, man, set your intent before you go to sleep. See, I know, Alex, we, we, we Facebook partners. I ain't going to say friends. We Facebook partners. I would just say set your intent. I don't know if you got a dream journal, but if you do, once a month I go, about every three to four weeks, I go over my dream journal. I'm looking for colors, people, anything that repeats itself. If it's a repeater, if it's a repeater, you're going to be in a dream by going over your dream journal. At some point you're going to say, ah, the color blue. And, 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 and it just helps to be aware. And, like, even dude that was guarding that door in the panic dream, I decoded dude to try to figure out, well, what deity was that? Because your dreams directly connected to the, to the mythology and deities. So when you dream and you think it's a stranger, I'll tell you another one real quick. Papa Legba, before I really got deep into him, I was on Kabbalah. I realized that Kabbalah had the, had the Christian cross in it, so I was meditating on the cross, and I seen Jesus Christ on the cross. I didn't grow up with that. I grew up with Jehovah's Witness, and Jehovah's Witnesses say that Jesus' cross wasn't on the cross. He was on the stake. So for me, that was odd. 
what is this motherfucker doing pinned to this cross? And he was in hella pain and agony. He looked hella painful. I said, man, I want out of this shit. But I couldn't get out. So I started walking around the cross, looking at it, examining it, looking at this nigga laying on this cross. Well, at some point, man, that motherfucker hopped down and started laughing at me. Started laughing at me. So I'm like, what? What is this? We started talking. I'm going to shorten it up. I woke up. I started doing my research. That wasn't no Jesus Christ. That motherfucker played a joke on me. I found out it was Papa Legba. Legba's a trickster, right? So that's why I say, I I would always say, you got to have lots of books on deities. You got to have your mind open. Don't have it fixed because you might be saying to yourself, I saw Jesus Christ. No, it was Papa Legba playing a trick on me. But Papa Legba is a correspondence to the Christ figure. He's just an African Christ figure. You dig? And even if you might not even be studying African deities, you're going to realize all this shit is in your head anyway. So for me, comedic deities are easiest for me to access. I can focus on almost any comedic deity, and I can access them. And I usually access them in meditation, and I take whatever I got for meditation to the dream. Only thing I would say to you, though, is uh, you got it already. Uh, I know for a fact, Alex, you remember multiple dreams. Uh, the key is just to be lucid, because once you lucid, you can ask those questions. You might, another one I had, a leg box, he was a bum with two dogs. And I was talking to this bum with two dogs, and he was denying me. I couldn't get past that. That uh, I always say it's a challenge in the gateway. The challenge is the guardian guarding that gateway so that you pass. So I kept wondering, who the fuck is this bum with these dogs? Did my research. Papa Legba run with two dogs. So I said, oh, Papa Legba been in my dreams, tough. And then you work with it from that aspect. So once you realize who it is, man, you can set something on your altar. Really, you don't need an altar because it's all mental. The word altar is actually A-L-T-E-R. It's to alter your consciousness. That's the whole purpose of an altar is to alter your mind. So you realize the deity been paying visits to you? If you want to fuck with him, you can. If you don't, you move on. Because the bottom line is, all these gods and goddesses are getting at you constantly. It just depends on whether you want to want to resonate with them. Because you might be at a certain deity and get no action, no rhythm. It ain't who you' supposed to be at. So that's why I always refer to the dream because your dream is a direct link to mythology. Mythology is all about deities. So you go through your dreams. If you see somebody you didn't know, kind of pay attention to a characteristic. You know, something you saw that stood out, and you try to research it. If you don't got the books, I got a hell of books. If you don't got the books, then you Google it because we're in the age of Aquarius. You actually don't have to have a physical book. You can Google it. And believe me, if you're searching, you're going to find it. If you're searching, you're going to find it. Oh, yeah, for sure. One of the things I just want to say real quick, because that shit hit my spirit. I got chills and everything. It's how you said uh, how it was through your girl's perspective. You feel me? And I, I person, I've never thought about that before. Like, you know what I'm saying? They're dreaming. That's in the spiritual realm. It's not, it's not just our ego. You feel me? We should be looking at ourselves through someone else's perspective, too. You feel me? Because it's in the spirit. Mm-hmm. And I hit me, like, some of them dreams, too. I could be looking through my girl's shit, if you feel me, who lives in me. 
seeing myself, seeing my own ego, seeing the things I need to fix from her perspective, or even my higher self perspective, you tell me to my everyday personality. You tell me that that hit me hard when you said that. No doubt, no doubt. I I say this to you too, Alex. Um, I did a lot of past life regression. Once I realized that, man, we all just borrowed material, and, you know, it's only so many souls that touch down this planet, I started doing past life regression. And um, a lot of them bothered me, man. A lot of them bothered me. You know, I had one where I was looking like this dude. He looked like motherfucking Samuel L. Jackson in Django. He was teaching this white girl everything. I had a problem with it at first. But then I had to get past my ego. But what I want to say is, you mentioned your higher self. Uh, I do past life regressions on the regular. And I had one past life regression where I met this dude, and he had dreads, and he was standing there with his arms crossed and whatever, and I woke up with the name Batapi on my tongue, Batapi. I could see the, the letter, but eventually I realized that's an aspect of my higher self. You know what I'm saying? So what I do now, um, the best thing to do, I forget where I got it from. It's in one of these books, but I'm going to share it anyway. It's not my original. I got it from one of these books. Uh, usually you'll have a dream. I think, Alex, one time I told you about a dream, you called it a praise dream. You'll have a dream where you're in a temple. You might be in the woods, but you feel like it's a sacred space. Um if you ever have a dream like that, for me, it was a very specific temple with a very specific colors. What you do is mental time travel. You go in meditation or in a dream, and you go back to that place over and over because your dome is the temple. So from that temple, you can launch and go anywhere. Uh, the Bible says my father's house has many mansions. So what I do is I got this temple. I go there. And it has a bunch of rooms I can dip. I got an altar in there. I got all kind of shit set up. I go there, and I try to dip to different places. Sometimes I go through different doors I never went through before. But the bottom line is establish you a, a set place that you work from because this is important for when you die. When you die, man, if you ain't working, you just going to go into the ethers. You're going to be in like what dreams may come true, the movie What Dreams May Come True. You're just going to be in an aspect of your own dream. So what I do is I have a fixed place that I go to. I check on it, make sure that I, got a, I, got, I have an altar that stay lit. Stay lit. The fires never go out in that altar. I go there. It's a temple. Uh, I roll with these serpents. I got a whole little things I go through. The basis of what you go through to get there is to let your body go to sleep, but your mind be active. And you gotta have a good imagination. If you don't have a good imagination, uh, some people don't. Uh, Robert Bruce has a real good PDF. It's free online called New Energy Waves. You get that? It teaches you how it teaches you how to start accessing different parts of your chakras and your body without no visualization. And it is a stepping stone to having good visualization. But the bottom line is. You have that temple. You got that place. I don't care if it's your grandma's house, but I would say a temple, somewhere that you've never been before. If you got to build it yourself, build it yourself, and you go there on the regular and keep adding to it because it's a good chance when you pass, that's where you're going to go. And you don't want to pass. If you, uh, The comedic scriptures say, the comedic texts say you're supposed to 
go north and go through the aurora borealis. If you don't do that, at the very least, you want to be in control of where you're at. You don't want to pass away and not know that you're gone and just waiting to reincarnate. So for me, I have a temple. I have a specific way I get there. I draw sigils on the wall and make shit unlock, and I go through it. I got several gateways I put myself through just to get in the habit of going into the dream, being lucid, touching that astral, and that's all you want to do. But, yeah, you're going to experience it from different aspects. Uh, I have very few where I'm animals, but I've been every race. I've been a, a, a Japanese samurai. Um, I've been little white girls, and, and that's what you got to understand, too. Um, when you reincarnate, you choose what to come back as, man. I'm not saying that's what it is for everybody and all these people on earth, but those who can, do. So you have, I did past life regressions that I didn't agree with, but I look at my life right now, and I realize, oh, that's why I do the shit that I do. Most of my past life regressions, I'm always trying to teach somebody something, helping somebody do something. So what I told myself was in this, this life, even though I'm just getting up on it, I'm trying to do some shit for my motherfucking self, you know? You know, and a lot but, of the research that I've done, it says that you come back as something that you despised or hated mm-hmm. so that you could grow to progress. So, you know, you come back something that you hated in a past life. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I reflect on that, it makes a lot of sense, you know, because that's the only way to really have growth, you know, to really get to put yourself in the other person's shoes. Yeah. And, and that's a way of defeating your ego, too, because ego get in the way. Your ego tell you you're hella motherfucking raw, you did all this before, and you don't need nobody. Right. You know, it's all good. So it's a, it's a good way of defeating your ego is to see yourself as a woman and you a man or see yourself as a man and you a woman. And I say defeat, but I, I realize you ain't trying to destroy your ego. You don't want to kill it. Cause for real, that mother, he really just, your ego just got your back and just going about it all in the wrong way. You know what I'm saying? Right. So all you want to do is train your ego to do what you want it to do. Ego ain't going nowhere. It ain't going nowhere. You know, uh, you develop, you de- yeah, you develop your ego by the time you're three. By the time you're three, you got an ego. If you know not to touch fire because it's hot, uh, if I do this, my mama going to pop me, you got an ego. You got it. And, and, and that's another thing I want to say, too. You know, uh, a lot of people be hard on women, especially black women. Man, them bitches crazy. They this, they that. But the thing is, we was talking about the great mother and all that. But the thing is, the only way that for you to get this physical body, you got to come through a woman. In Kabbalah, in Kabbalah, that's coming through the moon, the sign of cancer. Everybody's born through the sign of cancer, esoterically. I ain't talking about your physical birth. Esoterically, everybody exits through the gate of cancer. Cancer is the moon. Cancer is the puss. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of times you might be resentful or whatever, but... You came back here to learn something. You might have been a female before in the last time, and you said, I'm going to come back as a dude just to experience this shit from the opposite side of the coin. But the thing is, is to let the experience come to you and direct it. Uh, don't just be going into meditation just to go. Man, have a question and expect your answer. 
You know what I'm saying? That's why I always say uh, ask a question that you really want to answer to. Don't ask nothing too frivolous. You know, hey, ask yeah. my, my you know, yeah. but, uh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. All right, for sure. Uh, right, you, you talked you talk about, uh, about the organs, how they, they talk to you individually sometimes. And about the, with the rob- what you trying to say? About the organs? Yeah, how each organ, you know, when you go to school, they can talk to you individually, you feel me? Oh, without a doubt. That's one of the things I realized, too. A lot of times when you go in the dream, it's not no random motherfucker. It might be your liver. It might be your left arm. It might be your foot. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of times, uh, that's why I got books on anatomy. You get, I got a Gray's Anatomy. It's thick like a dictionary, very few pictures. But, yeah, your organs, each of your organs is an intelligence. So sometimes when you go, especially in meditation, meditation is a little easier than the dream. So especially in meditation, you'll be surprised to realize who you're really hollering at. Because uh, what I did, I had a, a, a mantra that I made up and I recorded. Um, it was called The Key to the Darkest Door. And my mantra was, I can't remember it offhand now, but it was to the effect of I have the key to the darkest door. I will open it, enter, and remember all that has been forgotten. I am the light escaping from darkness, uh, uh, pregnant with ideas. I am the light returning to darkness. You know, I had a whole little mantra. I, I put it on. I put it on the phone and would listen to it. Well, doing that mantra, man, fucked me up. I went back to Atlantis, and then further than that, further than that, I went back to womb cell, zygote, atom. You go deeper and deeper, and so that's when I started realizing that a lot of times when you're in the dream and meditation, you're talking to different organs in your body. So what I started doing was. I would go in meditation, and I would focus on my foot, my heart, my liver, my lung. You know, you focus on it, and I would ask for the name. Give me your name. Tell me what your name is, you know, and whatever whatever works for you. Now, what I'm saying. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Exactly. Exactly. I got a book. Um, Damn, I got to, okay, I'm going to pull the book out. But there's a, there's a book, of, it's called The Magician's uh, Table of Correspondences. It tells you whatever, okay, I'm going to bag it up real quick. I'm going to get to it. My foot was killing me. My, 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 it was specifically my toes. I got a job where I'd be on my feet a lot. My feet was killing me. And I would go in meditation. Well, uh, I was doing candle magic at the time. I would stare at the uh, the blackness in the flame, not the colors, stare at the blackness in the flame, t- uh, 15 to 30 minutes, and then I would close my eyes, go into meditation, or you can look in a, a mirror, go in meditation. And one of these times, while I, was, while I was staring into the candle, I saw Pata, right? Now, at the time, I was distracting myself from my foot. My foot was killing me. And I was meditating. I just didn't want to focus on that pain. I saw Patai. So me and Patai had a real good conversation. Turns out Patai is a Masonic deity. He's uh, for uh, masonry and stone builders and blah, 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 whatever. But we had a real good conversation. When I came out of meditation, I was real surprised that Patai came to me. 
So I got my book, uh, The Magician's uh, Tables of Correspondence. I'm, I'm going to get the name for you before we get off. I got the book. Man, I found out that Pata is the deity over the foot. Right. Fuck me up. So, yeah, every part of your body corresponds to a chakra, a deity, a color, a day of the week, a number. So you'd be surprised. You keep having a number with the number five. Man, you better get to the bottom of that. It might be your throat chakra. Or what I want to do, do the touch on real quick was the, the, the Robert Bruce, how he talks about the, the projections, like you can go through the brow area, the heart, the stomach, things like that, or even me and me talking about the back sometimes, you feel me? Because the other night, for the first time, or maybe the first time, I had a, like a slight projection, but it was through my heart. I felt this real tense shit in my heart, like I was having a heart attack in my most of the time it's through my through my third eye, but this one is through my heart. So I just want to okay. make sure to touch on this real quick. Okay, that's, that's some good shit. The heart is where you want to be. The heart is the gateway. The heart is like when you get on the freeway, you can go left, right, straight ahead. Uh, uh, C. Freeman L. has some good meditations on the heart chakra. So I use his the most. C. Freeman L. says you're supposed to envision a, a flower. He has a color, but I chose my own color. And from focusing on it in meditation over and over and over and over, I have a very specific uh, uh, flower that represents my heart chakra. You can do the same for any part of your body. My feet are red roses, right? But for the heart chakra, you imagine a rose. What I do is I imagine that rose growing out the ground, and I watch it grow and the stem and the the thorns come out and the leaves and the bud. Now, everybody says the heart is red, but we know the heart is actually green. So my rose is green. It has gold tips, uh, pinkish red veins. I can go in detail. I can go in detail. But the best thing to do is either meditation or as you're drifting off to sleep. Don't do it when you first lay down because you ain't sleepy. I'm talking about when you feel yourself getting ready to go to sleep, Start doing the meditation. So what I do is when I inhale, I tell myself my heart chakra is open and fully functional. When I exhale, I am perfect love. But I, the whole time I'm inhaling and exhaling, I envision that flower opening up. The sun is shining. It's a blue sky. The rays is beating on that heart chakra. And, and believe it or not, you'll go a lot of places. Now, that's a light side meditation. For me, when I do a dark side meditation, I use Yogg-Sothoth from the Cthulhu mythos because Yogg-Sothoth is, is a gateway deity. Your heart is the gateway. It's at the middle point between all your chakras. So if you're leaning towards the dark side, man, do some research on Yogg-Sothoth. Yogg-Sothoth is a bunch of tentacles and eyes. So whenever I do my yogs and soft meditation, my my whole head my whole head is a bunch of tentacles with eyes. My heart is just one huge eye with a pyramid in it, and that eye don't never blink. And I I just imagine them tentacles in my brain swirling and writhing. I see the eyes opening, and them eyes let you know you can go anywhere you want to from the from your heart chakra. You can go wherever you want. You can go up or down to the left, right. But the best thing to do is just start putting in time and, and, and in meditation, man, talk to your heart chakra. It's a female for sure. All your chakras are feminine, even though they have masculine and feminine qualities. But talk to it. 
Get to know it. Man, what's your name? I want to highlight you one-on-one. I talk real plain, real plain. And what I noticed is Bobby said it best. Anger gets shit done. When you be mad and something don't go your way, you've been meditating right. and got, ain't got the answer you wanted, man, I get mad. What the fuck? Man, I've been asking you for this shit. I get mad. And it never fails. So, so when you be talking to it, you, I, I've done it a couple of times. I got two different results. One is when I try to channel something, I'll talk, and I'll pretty much fake a conversation. You feel me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'll talk and do it back. But other times I've talked and then, like, a different voice talks me back. You feel me? Like, it wasn't me. You feel me? That's when you tapped in. See, that's where the fake it till you make it come in. You know? Okay, so you have that fake conversation until it takes over? Yeah, it feels silly. That's why I say when you first fall, when you first lay down, that's all you. You ain't, you ain't, you haven't, you know, your subconscious is at water. You in a deep ocean. When you first go to sleep, you, you bobbing on the top of the ocean. So you might go back and forth, ask your questions, and you imagine what you say back to yourself. But when you, when you start knowing, that ain't me talking. It's a different voice. It's a different whatever. Then you know you tapped in. And, and you just keep doing it. Man, I keep doing it. And, and it never fails. It usually happens when I least expect it. It usually happens when I least expect it. So when I go in, when I first lay down, I, you know, the first thing I do is quiet my mind because you got all them thoughts. Then tomorrow I'm going to get up, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this. Man, and what I do, too, is uh, to get myself in the mode of letting my body go to sleep but my mind stay active, what I do is I play back everything I did during the day, as much as I can remember. And I ask myself, well, what should I do different? I should have did that, I should have did that, whatever. You play it back, you play it back. It's going to reach a point to where you're not playing back no more. Your body going to do little shit. Your nose might itch, your ear might itch, your back might itch. That's when you resist because your body, this is a scientific fact, when your body goes to sleep, it's going to check to make sure your mind is asleep too because your body is saying, oh, if my mind sleep, I can finally rest. So as you're going to sleep, you're going to feel itches. You're going to want to rearrange. Just stay still. Lay like you a corpse in a casket. I lay my hands over my heart chakra or on my side, on my back. I use a sleep mask and earplugs most nights, especially if I want to answer. I don't want no outside influence. My wife sleeps with the TV on. If I go to sleep without my earplugs, I'll be having dreams about Miami Vice and all kind of weird yeah, shit. All right. So I put in my earplugs, put on my – because another thing is your pineal don't get fully active till it's in complete darkness. That's why yeah. back in Egypt, the initiates went into that motherfucking heart chamber in the pyramid in complete blackness with nothing but rations for three days, not even a candle. Complete darkness, your pineal fire up. i tell you another good one. Even though you focus on your heart chakra, man, imagine your mind. My mind, I envision it, you know, lighting up, lightning striking it. I love Star Wars, so I do the Sith Lord lightning. It fire up. Uh, in your brain, you got those sands that sand crystals. I imagine the lightning firing off that, going to my brain. Always focus on your right hemisphere, the right side of your brain. That's where all imagination, creativity, all that is at. So when you're doing it, it sounds like a lot, but once you get in the habit of doing it, you don't got to focus on it. You can tell yourself, I'm on the right side, see your brain. You know, you can work your way down to the heart and work your way from the heart up. 
what I used to do was I started my root, red, work up, yellow. That's how I went to Astro. I would I would my. climb up a I would climb up a ladder and I would go by certain colors and I would know where I was at. Oh, I'm I'm orange or I'm in the tackle. Gee, I'm I got yellow. a question for you. Go ahead, family. Yeah, uh Hello? Yes, it uh, looks like somebody jumped in on the conversation. We have a bunch of people that are jumping in, and uh, I had to unmute them. So, uh, my bad. I'll stay on top of that. No, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, I, I just what we're saying, it's all, it's, all visual, it's all visualization and imagination. And, and what work what work what works best for you probably won't work for me. Um, but I would just say get in the habit of going into your meditation and you just focus on one. And I'll say this too: I said a rose, man. For you, your heart could be a pit bull. Whatever represents that part of your body, you focus on it, and it's gonna come alive. Like you said, it's gonna be that other voice. It ain't gonna be you, and that's how you know you win. And and that's an aspect of the loose, lucid dream and the astral. So that's all you really want to do. Uh, for sure, I appreciate it. Got some good insight. Definitely. Did that answer your uh, question, brother? Yes, sir. All right, man. You take it easy and appreciate you uh, calling in. Yep. All right, we're going to hey, move look. down to the next caller here. Uh, I'll mute your phone. You're on the Mike, Central Michigan. Hello, Central Michigan. Going once for Central Michigan, going twice. All right, we got nobody for Central Michigan, and we're going to go down to California here. Central California, you're live on the air. Hello? Hello. I guess they uh, maybe have their phones muted or yeah, just see. Don't. no. I don't know that they're. Uh, it's possible. Uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> Let me try to go through here. One, two. Um. Okay. I had one caller come in from California, but I uh. He yeah, that voice sounded sound real familiar. I think I know who that is. You tell him I apologize. Sound... I had to mute yeah. him out of you guys' conversation. Well, Mike, I think we're going to wrap things up here this evening. Um, this has okay, been way more overwhelming than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I had, I don't have much to say. I think I'll do a part two to this episode, though, because there's so many things that I was thinking of after the fact. Um, mm -hmm. I think we'll get together here real soon and do part two to Dreams and Masonry, because I really think we just really scratched the surface of both. Right, yeah. Um, You want to give your contact information, letting people know uh, where they can contact you, where they can find you if they want to dialogue any further? Oh, man, um, uh, on Facebook. My name is uh, uh Michael Bell. Um I can't tell you what my con my profile yeah. is. But uh, hold on one second, Michael. Mike, hold on one second. Central California, are you there? 
Yeah, that's me. I just got back on. Sorry about that. Uh, I'm sorry, man. I had to mute you out because they were in the middle of a conversation. How you doing? Uh, you got anything you want to ask me or Mike? Yeah, I've had my little my little experiences on the other side, and I was focused. I wanted to do certain things, and I got to do those things, and I hadn't done them in some time. But I'm back to that, and I'm back focused on it, and I just really want to help tear this gum matrix down. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking to go up in there and uh, tear down police departments and, and tear up bridges and shit like that. Ah, uh, yeah, I know this voice. This my this my people. Is this your folks, Los? You know it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Real quick. Um, <clears throat> that's a meditation I do on the regular, because um, uh, just real briefly, I don't want to drag it out. I know we're about to wrap it up, but this uh, uh, what he's speaking on is a Gnostic point of view, <clears throat> and from okay. Gnosticism, from Gnosticism, this whole reality is a. Uh, is a twisted version of the demiurge. Demiurge running this this reality, and that's why everything is based on sadness and pain, and and people got to profit by somebody else. Straight root chakra shit. Root chakra shit. So so me personally, yes, I got a very specific meditation. I try to do it every day, but I don't. But I do it at least a few times a week to where, uh, yes, I envision every aspect of this matrix crumbling. I, I take down bridges. Um, and what's what's amazing about it is uh, a part of you, uh, the, the part of your ego, even though you're in, the, in meditation, part of you going to feel sad. Uh, one time, I always start in my city where I'm at, and I spread out. I go to the Pentagon. I go to the D.C. I actually have a technique I call the hand of God. It's an invisible hand that I just smash shit with. And um, you have to tear this illusion down because the bottom line, uh, most of us are attached to these physical bodies in this reality, and this ain't it. Uh, we here to do work, and and to be honest, if we was all doing the work, we wouldn't even be here. You know, uh, I say a lot to myself that um, it's gonna be a long time before the matrix crumble. We got eight billion souls on this planet, eight billion. Now, even if seven billion of them are automatons, there's still one billion people that got work to do. So in my mind, I tell myself constantly. Man, this matrix ain't going nowhere no time soon. But I do my best to destroy it because we all live in here in sadness, loss. Everybody has lost somebody, mother, father, brother, best friend. Even even if it's nothing but your poodle, everybody has lost something. So, yes, I do I do, do that a lot. I go in, and yes, I do imagine that. Yes, I do. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for this. I, uh, I have a philosophy usually that when I have people approach me with a question, um, I had a guy not too long ago ask me, what was this information going to do for the world? And I had to say to him, like, man, you can't do anything for the world. You've got to change yourself. And if every person changed themselves for the better, and try to become the best person they could possibly be, then a lot of the stuff that, you know, you was going to run it into, just, you know, for the most part, things would just work out the way they needed because everybody would be worried about the next thing. They'd be worried about fixing themselves. So that, hopefully that helps you out with uh, a little bit of info for you uh, along your journey. Yeah, I appreciate this. Uh, 
Yeah, so when I go back in, I'm tearing shit down. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm tearing shit up. Because people are already I, down to uh, zero birth rate. <clears throat> yeah, I appreciate it. Tear down. Tear down. Um, yeah, we in the age of information, man. Aquarius, a lot of people, we've not even been into the age of Aquarius for a full decade yet. You know, no. so a lot of people are still stuck in the in the Pisces mindset of being taught and told what to do. You put out some information and they ask you a question and I reply back, well, just research it. And they go crazy. Why won't you just tell me? Why won't you just tell me? Because my answer is for me. My answer you may not be satisfied with. So it's best for them to go and research it themselves. But for some reason, that bothers them. If I say number nine, they may get upset. They may be stuck on seven, you know, or 11. You know, nine is for me. Like you said, everything ain't for everybody. But I would just say, hey, man, go on and research, you know, until you get something that you stick with, until you get something that, that you all right, you cool with. Can, can I say this to you real quick? Yeah. Um, uh, most of us, we, almost everybody's familiar with the Bible. It's about and it's a passage in the Bible where Jesus said, uh, let the dead bury the dead, you know, and, and, and that's a huge aspect of consciousness. And right now, consciousness and being woke is a slogan, and it's really something that people pissing on and shitting on. But to be honest, if you're really about that work, <clears throat> you really can't worry. <clears throat> you can't focus on the dead. If somebody not on what you want, even if they think they hired in you or you think you hired it, whatever they, if they're not on your, uh, if they're not on what you want, you really can't trip because one of the main things I always say is, especially on Facebook, <clears throat> because Facebook is a platform where everybody gets to share their own unique brand of consciousness, and and, and most of the people sharing information on Facebook, they're trying to help somebody, even if they did wrong about it, even if they saying share this post and Jesus is going to bless you in 30 seconds. They did wrong, but they're trying to help. But the thing about it is you can't help nobody unless you're helping yourself. We were just talking earlier about the 100 monkey experiment. The best thing, oh, you wow. can do is, best thing you can do is do the work. If you're working, you help somebody. But otherwise, you ain't doing nothing but throwing an alarm clock in the graveyard. That's it. You're waking up dead people. And everybody knows we all watch The Walking Dead. You wake up the dead, you end up with nothing but zombies that's going to bite you and infect you. They're going to bite your head off. And they're going to infect you with a form of dead consciousness. That, to me, that's what all zombie movies represent. Somebody bites you, and you get infected with their dead thoughts. You become a zombie. Then you so, go right back to church, right back to the mediocre you, shit that you You escape. go right back to the mediocre. So the main thing, if you watch Walking Dead, any zombie movie, the only way you can move around zombies, you got to smear a little zombie blood on you, a little bit at least, because if they realize you're not one of them, they turn on you. I was just reading this book, uh, The Hermetica, and it was saying how in the Middle Ages, the stuff we're talking about right now, if we was talking about this in the 1300s, the 1100s, man, we would have been. We'd be dead. It was, this one, it was this one dude who was conscious for that time period, I think it was the 1300s, but he stood his ground. They told him, get up out of here. He was in uh, uh, Italy. They told him, the Roman Catholic Church said, get up out of here. He refused to leave. You know what they did to that man? What? They, they pinned him down, and they pilt his skin off his body with scallop shell. Ooh! 
So listen to what I'm saying oh to you. Oh, my God. Listen to what I'm saying to you. Right now, we are fortunate to be in America because if we was in Afghanistan or one of the other countries talking about metaphysics and different gods other than the state-approved God, that could be you. There was another dude, I think his name was Ruchelin. He was in Europe. He fled from Europe to somewhere else, and he was on that consciousness, but he said, I'm going back. He went back to Italy. Man, they put him in prison, tortured him for eight years, then burnt him at the stake, at the cross. So the point I'm making is, just so happens, we're at a time when you can talk this shit and walk this shit, and people just say, oh, I'm going to unfollow him. But if you had to went back 30, 40, 100 years from now, man, you would be dead. And I'm going to get back on the topic of Freemasonry with this. That's where the secret of Freemasonry comes in at. That's why no matter what country you go to, Freemasons operate under the national deity. So you can be in, uh, you can be in an Arabic country. Outwardly, you worship Allah, but in your lives, you can worship any deity you want. You can acknowledge the deity within you because, truthfully, human beings don't like humans that's being. They like humans that's doing they want you to be doing what they're doing. If you're just being, men, humans will kill you. That's where they got with Frankenstein. Frankenstein was actually synonymous with consciousness, right? What they mm-hmm. do, they got, pitch, they got pitchforks and, 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 and fire, and they broke that motherfucker down. So we live in a time where, yes, you can express your opinion, and at the most, people will say, oh, he's crazy. At best, they'll say, oh, that brother dropped some real knowledge. But for real, the secret is, and it might come real soon. We're in the beginning of Aquarius. Real soon, they might say, man, anybody talking this old consciousness, third eye shit, kill them. Now what? You're going to be like Ruchelin? You're going to stay where you at? Man, I'm going to get quiet, man, because I already know. Don't nobody want to The average person don't want to hear what you're talking about anyway. They don't want to hear it. Dream. No. That's, that's evil. That's the devil. You're doing what? You're going to astral? That's devil. Chocolate. So, that's, that's devil that's, worship. That's witchcraft. That's devil. That's witchcraft. So the point I'm making is at some point, your vibe is going to attract your tribe. And that's who you resonate with. Man, uh, I'll be honest. Uh, I know the Bible very well. I've read it cover to cover over six times. At my job, when I feel like it, I engage in brain-dead Christians, and we talk, and they say, man, Mike, you should be a pastor. Other times they talk, I shut the fuck up. I listen to my spirit because the bottom line is it may come a time where it ain't cool to be talking this consciousness. So I, I'm personally getting out the habit of trying to wake up the dead because Bobby Heman had a real good lecture on it where he said everybody set different alarm clocks than you. So you might be woke, it's 4 a.m. in your time zone. Somewhere else it's 1 o'clock. Man, don't be calling my phone talking about, man, Cthulhu has risen and your chakras and it's 1 o'clock in the morning. You lost your mind? Man, I set my alarm clock for 6 p.m. my time, my time zone. So what I do, somebody hit me up, I think they with it, I throw a little something out there. If they ain't, I instantly tell them, man, you right. I never thought about that, and I move on. As it gets to being too insistent, 
I use the almighty block button. I block you from my nation, my Magi nation, because, man, it may just come to that. But right now, I sincerely believe, being in the age of Aquarius, this is the time where all this information is flowing. I'm going to say this real quick and get off the topic. Everybody has heard the saying, when in Rome, do what the Romans do. But most people don't know where that saying came from. Before Rome became totally Christian, Rome acknowledged every deity. Whatever God was worshipped, they would tell you, set up an altar, set up a temple, it's good. Only thing the Romans asked was, pay your taxes. Other than that, worship the way you want to. So the saying, when in Rome, do what the Romans do, actually meant to be inclusive. Don't be hating on nobody else's shit. If somebody doing something you don't like, move on, don't look at it. But eventually, the Romans became into the Christian era. I threw up my little air quotes. Once they got into the Christian era, anything that wasn't Christian became pagan. And mm-hmm. pagan, pagan don't mean nothing but people who live outside the city in the country, right? So once mm-hmm. they became pagan, man, if you ain't doing what I'm doing, kill him. Kill yeah. him. So the only mm-hmm. point I'm making is you got to walk a fine line. You know, when, it's, when, when, when that information hits you, you be wanting to scream it to the world. Right now in my house, my wife tells me all the time, I don't want to hear about no chakras. That's all I talk about. And I can dig it. I don't even punish her with it. I, I hit and miss with my spots. So it's the same thing with, with, with your consciousness. Everybody ain't where you at. You know, and your personal deity, your subconscious, when God speaks to you, a lot of times we misinterpret the message for us as being a message for them. And it's just for self. And it's just for self. But I feel you, though. I definitely feel you. Uh, uh, people tell, say it all the time. This is evil. When I, when I joined the Masons, a lot of people told me, man, when you join, uh, uh, they, they conjure up a demon, the demon get in your body. And I'm going wow. hey, to be honest with you. I was concerned. I'm going to be honest. So, you know, when they said close your eyes, I was peeking, man. What they doing, you know? What's going on? But I'm being honest with you. But once That's I funny. realized, I mean, I'm being honest with you. I'm being honest. But, but I, yeah, I, no doubt, no doubt. I began to realize, though, the old saying, only thing to fear is fear itself. Only thing you have to be afraid of is your mind, where your head at. And, and I talk a lot about spiritual protection. I talk about my wife being my spiritual protection. Man, I got faith in my spiritual protection. Can't nobody make me do nothing I don't want to do? Okay, right now, it's six planets in retrograde. In retrograde. That don't mean I got to do nothing I don't want to do. Because the basis is of all of this, chakras, deities, dreams, uh, uh, rituals, potions, spells, the basis of all of that is for you to be master and commander, not for you to be mastered and commanded. So if you allow any of this to move you, if you say, man, my God said to cut your head off, man, I'm going to quietly step back from you. Oh, wow, word? Yeah, that's right. Okay, that's what's up. Hey, let me go. I got to. And I'm going to dip off because that's how it is. And I don't care if they're Muslim, Christian, whatever. So a, a huge part of it is you got to be in tune with yourself, though. You really do. And you got to understand when a lot of stuff we see in the dream and in meditation, you be wanting to tell somebody, but it's just for you. 
Uh, I like the stuff that I can't communicate. I like when I have a dream and I can't even put it in words. Uh, that's the best one because I know for a fact it was just for me. And sometimes, exactly. Now, other times you have a dream and you say, man, I'm posting this on Facebook. Okay, maybe that was for somebody else. You might even get 100 people that say, man, I resonate with that. But it's about knowing the difference because you walk in the fine line. The bottom line is everything you're doing is just for yourself because we got the stories of Heru. He was the, the widow's son. His dad got killed and chopped up into a bunch of pieces, went to the underworld. His mama had to go through hella work just to bring his daddy back. And guess what? Once ISIS brought Asar back, that nigga went back to the underworld. I'm out. He let his son have his physical world. You the son. That's you. Now, you got to have faith in your subconscious, which is Asar, that he going to do his work, and he got your back. Because your daddy came back, told you I love you, and he went right back. We were talking earlier about how all the superheroes is widow sons. All of them, none of them got their daddy. You know what I'm saying? That applies to a huge segment of society right now that, that grew up not knowing their daddy. You know what I'm saying? What that make you? The widow's son. You got to operate within that and have faith, and you listen to them dreams, and you and you operate as such. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and like I was saying, too, try to always decode your dreams more than one way because the first way might be pure ego. You know what I'm saying? So you get two or three different aspects, and you you, you know you making gumbo, you making a nice little stew, and you throw it all in there because it all applies to you. You know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, I feel you. I I, I went on the same page. When whenever Facebook give me my memories from three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, sometimes I cringe because I was condemning motherfuckers to hell, or or I was telling everybody this is the way. You know, when they go really far back. And I'd be quoting Bible scriptures every day. I'd say, oh, man, what was I thinking? But you got to have faith in your, in your higher self and your subconscious mind and know that whatever you was doing, it was a necessary step to get you to doing what you're doing right now. You know what I'm saying? Everything. It's all gross. It's all, it is. It don't matter. You know, a big thing now is melanin, interracial relationships. It's a huge thing. Huge. Oh, if you were a white woman, man, you you going to hell. No, no, get the fuck out of here. Now, what does matter, melanin does count. I'm going to be honest. God made a level playing field. I ain't talking about the God of the Bible. I ain't talking about no VD. We know. I'm talking about the person, that the person, the entity that set all this in motion. He, mm-hmm. made, it a level, he made it a level playing field. Everybody got the same chances. But just like when you're watching a race, anybody that watch Olympics, you notice how everybody be staggered? Some person being number one, another person number six, way back. Mm-hmm. You're still on the, the race, but where you at, though? Melanin does play a part in where you at. But guess what? Man, if you, Michael Jordan, you just melanin to jump high. You think Michael Jordan conscious? You think he going to extra rounds? No. Mm-hmm. So melanin no. Plays, it plays a part, but what I'm saying is, Every organ in your body got melanin. You got neural melanin. You got ocular melanin. You got spinal melanin. You got epidural melanin. Now, some people got a whole lot less. Some people got a whole lot more. But, man, if you not working, okay, I'm going to use the old school song, WC in the Mad Circle. 
If you don't work, you don't eat. I don't care how black you are. If you ain't working, you could be midnight. If you ain't working, jump high, eat your McDonald's, uh, 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 buy you some Jordans, and go to church. Yeah, don't matter. If work is the only thing that sets you apart, are you working or are you not working? And I'll be honest. Before I got deep into my work, I had hella questions. Nobody would answer them. Nobody would answer them. But once I started really doing the work and people started asking me questions, I knew who was working and who wasn't working. You can tell from the question. And so that's why I help. If I know you, if, if my spirit say you working, I'm going to give you all the help you need. If my spirit say, man, you jawsing. You just, act, you just, man, you with the conscious movement. You just woke AF. Yeah, right? this is a fad. I'm not fooling with you. I'm going to keep it moving. I'm going to agree with whatever you say. If you tell me that a hot dog is Jesus, man, I never thought about that. You're right. I'm going to holler at you, though, and I'm out. So, it, it, you know, uh, you, you can't get caught up on the human side of things. And I'm going to take that back to Freemasonry. In the Masonic Lodge, there's a lot of human politics going on. If you get caught up on the if you get caught up on the human side, you are lost. Masonry talks about revering the deity. Man, if you focus, the Bible say it too. I'm gonna quote the Bible on their ass. A lot of people scared of it, but it says if you put this first, if you seek ye first the kingdom, all these other things will be added to you. So, man, don't look left. Matter of fact, one of my visuals. My car don't got no rear view mirrors and no side mirrors. I'm not focused on nothing going on behind me or around me. I'm doing my work. And if you think I'm the wackest motherfucker on earth, hotel, my niggas, hotel. You know what I'm saying? Habibi right. Shwa, whatever, whatever religion you speak, I'm going to agree with you. And it might even hurt my feelings, but I'm going to agree with you and continue to work because, man, what worked for me might not work for you. What worked for Brother Gene might not work for nobody else. Gene told me some other day we was talking how he does these meditations in a dark closet. Man, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I've never done it. I've thought about it. I just don't have the opportunity. I'm jealous. I wish. But what I'm doing is working for me, and until I get that opportunity, I'm going to continue doing my work. I'm not going to focus on what Brother Gene got going on because he got a different set of circumstances that he chose to come back to. So, you know what I'm saying? I feel you. I definitely feel you. But, uh, yeah, do your work. Man, uh, I said before, something nobody ever realized. We were talking about how the Internet not new. It's all old game. And I'm going to give you an example of what Facebook is, but it was back in the 40s and 50s. You know what it was, Gene? What's that? You remember, in the X, you remember in the Malcolm X movie when Malcolm X was walking down the street and everybody was standing on those little uh, soapboxes preaching? Kind of like how the Hebrew Israelites do every now and again. They'll stand up on the corner with the uh, yes. preach. That, that was low-tech Facebook. Uh, yeah, low-tech Facebook. You stand on your soapbox, Whoever come and listen to you, one person might have a crowd of 50, another person might not have nobody. That's the same thing as putting, a, putting together a post and you get 50 likes or you get no likes. 
Because people was going to crowd around you. It depends on what you say. You might not even be right. Yeah. You could be you could be dead wrong. But if you package it right, put enough sugar on the shit, people come and take a bite. So I'm just saying that to say that this platform we got in social media, we all thinking that it's something brand new. It's old game. What most people don't know, if they're not familiar with Noble Drew Ali and the Circle Seven and uh, that aspect of the Quran and Five Percenters, Noble Drew Ali was back in the 30s and 40s. He was around before Elijah Muhammad. A lot of good game. If you ever get a chance to read Circle Seven, a lot of good game. Small pamphlet, maybe 20 pages. So much information, uh, you can read it 100 times and, and still get something new. But the point I'm making is, a lot of people didn't know Noble Drew Ali was a Mason. He was a Mason. Oh, really? Yes, he was. Elijah Muhammad was a Mason. Uh, 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 Farrakhan is a Mason. You just go back. But them dudes, it's verifiable. You can Google it for yourself. They were Masons. But what I say to myself is, what were they teaching in their lives? Because them dudes came with new game, new information. A lot of people say <clears throat> to this day, <clears throat> the Asiatic black man. Nobody understand that. Black people didn't come from Asia. What are you talking about? What they was really talking about was Asia. That's, Kab- that's, that's Kabbalah. That's tree of life. The bottom, there's four, there's four worlds. The tree of life is broken up into four worlds. It's absolute, Yetzera, Bria, and Asia. Asia is Asia. So that means that Noble Jew Ali was in some Masonic lodge. They were talking about Asia, and he interpreted it and he interpreted it as Asia. So I said to myself. Man, what were they teaching in their lives? I actually have, uh, Brother Gene, this is at you. I actually, I'm going to send it to you, too. I actually have the minutes from a Masonic Lodge in the 1800s, right? The That's minute. interesting. That's cool. That's I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> I'm going to send it to you. But guess what they had in their lodge? What they have. Where, where the altar was at, they had a pyramid. They had all kind of different stuff. They opened it up, speaking Mandingo. Totally different from what's going on right now. So the point I'm making is the majority the majority of these religions today were started by Masons. The Jewish religion and, and Catholicism are branches of Masonic thought. Christianity is oh, all yeah. Masonic. Christianity all Masonic. Is, what most people don't know is their pastors are Masons. They would be surprised and shocked almost to find out almost all of them. You know, recently I yeah, went to a few, Go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was here in say. Michigan. Go ahead, Mike. Oh, no, I was going to say this. So recently, I went to a funeral, right, Gene? And, uh-huh. and at, at the funeral, the pastor admitted that this was his first time doing a funeral. And I'm at the funeral, and I'm saying, this is all wrong. I'm watching the whole service. This is wrong. It didn't down on me. I had to get up and speak, and I basically took over the service. I took over the service. Brother actually said the funeral was for a brother who was in the streets, and he was living, you know, he was living, he was living wild. Uh, there was only there was only four pallbearers. 
And the, and the brother said, well, four is enough. I can stand up in the middle of the funeral. Four is not enough. So he asked me why. I said, man, it's the reason why you're judged by 12 and buried by six. See, these are concepts that the average person wouldn't know nothing about. But we right. know that 12, 12 is the zodiac. From Masonic lore, we know about the 12, 12 fellow craft, right? Mm-hmm. The number six is regeneration. Six is sex. So when you die and you're buried by six people, that's giving you the promise of a good rebirth. You don't want to be buried by four. You want to be buried by six. Just like if it's time to be judged, you want to be judged by those 12 zodiacs. Twelve, six, these numbers mean something. But I realized, and after it was over with, I got that dude to see if he was a mason, and he was not. I didn't ask him no outright questions. I hit him with grips and signs and see what he did, and he didn't respond. And so that, that, that told me why that funeral service was so shitty. Because a good mason, as a good pastor, he's going to send somebody off right. Uh, Gene, I don't want to keep holding him. I know where you at. it got to be 1230, man. Oh, that's no problem. I got, uh, no, we're in good shape. Uh, I was going to say that here in Michigan, a lot of our churches are starting to be named after uh, different Masonic things. Like, we've just got a church that opened up here in uh, the Lansing area, the Cornerstone Church. We got, uh, there's another one. What's the other place over here? There's a wood place. It's not a church, but it's called, uh, what is it? Is it a square? It's not a square deal. I've just been noticing a lot more lately that, uh, at least in Michigan, we're not hiding the fact that we're Masons as much anymore. Um, we got a letter from the Grand Masonic in England that pretty soon, for the AM and FM, they're going to open up everything there is to do with Masonry. I'm kind of against it, but that's not here nor there. Uh, we're just starting to see a lot more ministers start churches that are named after Masonic, you know, ritualistic stuff and a person like me sees that and I know exactly what it is but a lot of people who have no idea about you know symbolisms or anything they have no idea what that is uh what's that noise in the background not me oh I had to no I had to uh Central California I had to mute his call but yeah uh probably should wrap this up here I got it's uh it is 12 30 I'm not too tired but I got uh things to get going here for tomorrow but michael it's been amazing talking with you this evening um i would like to just go out and thank you so much it was too bad shannon couldn't be with us today i know he was really looking forward to this show when i spoke to him uh so we're most definitely gonna have to have a part two um well i'll get a hold of you and we'll see about because shannon and i usually do a show every two weeks um I'd like to come right back in another two weeks and finish off with part two of Dreams and part two of Mason. Like I said, we 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 really hit on some really interesting stuff here, but I think we're just really just getting to the surface of it because this kind of stuff, you know, you can you can just really go on and on and on about for hours with yep. the mysticism and everything that's involved. Um, did you you gave your email? Uh, you can go ahead and give your contact oh. information again if you'd like to. Okay. Uh, my email is uh, 
Michael K. Bell at yahoo.com. That's M I C H A E L K B E L L at yahoo.com. Um, I have an Instagram page, which is uh, under the name of I Am Who I Think I Am, but it's spelled a little different. It's uh, it's uh, I Am underscore Who underscore I Think underscore I Am. If you want to catch me on Facebook, it's uh, Michael Bell. Um, I got a lot of followers already, a lot of friends and followers, but, you know, I'm down for whatever. Um, I don't sell nothing. I don't got no products I'm pushing. I am writing a book, but uh, I'm down to answer questions. So Michael K. Bell at Yahoo.com. I am who I think I am on YouTube, on Instagram, and uh, Michael Bell on, uh, on Facebook. And uh, if anybody want to rap, I got some questions. Um, I'm down. I'm always open for information. But I'm going to tell you, if you get at me on some wild shit, I'm going to agree with you and keep it pushing. That's about it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> keep it on. Uh, you yeah. guys can always contact me at MooktheThinker, M-O-O-K-T-H-I-N-K-E-R, uh, at, <laughs> at gmail.com. Or you can contact me on my Facebook at The Natural Order Of. Um, it was great talking to you, Michael, and we'll contact each other via email, via the uh, call here, and we'll talk uh, after the show, and we'll get back together here real soon and continue okay. on part two of Dreams and Masonry. Man, I appreciate it, and uh, man, thank you for the platform. I sincerely appreciate it. Uh, no problem, no problem. I'd like to thank all of our listeners and everybody who looked up this evening. Uh, Alex, uh, we got a C. Marie, uh, the Moonbeam Flower, and a lot of people from Michigan and a lot of people from California. So, you know, I uh, hope everybody stays with it, stay dark, and uh, mm-hmm. we'll talk to you next time. Bye for now. Down. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.